All right. Okay. Um, so I'm a, I'm a host. You're the host? Yeah. With the most? Eh. Let's not go crazy. <laughs> you're the host with some stuff. Yeah. All right. I can live with that, too. I'm the host who won't boast. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm David Dedrick. And we are going to be doing a show for you for about two hours. So, you know, uh, <laughs> if you got to pee, do it now. We don't want you to sure. stop the show and uh, pee in the middle of it. So. We finally answered the question. What's your show about? About two hours. That's about two hours. Yeah. What do you, you got to do? You listen. <laughs> you listen to the show. You yeah. don't listen to the show. You sure. still age two hours. It's not like we're pushing you faster towards the grave. <laughs> no, that's like, true. Pace. No, no. Haste makes waste. I it said, does. I said mixed. I don't know why I added a T to that. I guess I just wanted T's in every letter, every word of that sentence. And if you're really hasty and you leave the earth and you go too fast and you come back, uh, then we will have aged faster than you and we'll, you will have laid a wasteland mm. uh, in front of you. Uh, so I think that's what Einstein was talking about. <laughs> the Forever War by Joe Haldeman. Very good book. Exactly. That's exactly what I meant. I meant yeah. The Forever War yeah. by Joe Haldeman. That's oh, what I was talking yeah. about. Yeah. That's my favorite book. Sure. Yeah, it's a sequel to um, The Forever <laughs> People by Jack Kirby. Right? <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, there you are. No, his, his book is like... A, Forever 21, the uh, store in the mall. It, uh, uses sci- it uses a science fiction story to make like an analogy to people coming back from Vietnam. And I imagine any war where you're away for a long time and then you return and the world feels so much different. Because, of course, these people go and fight across across uh, star systems and so they're traveling at light speed and when they come back to earth they're not even seeing the people that they knew now they're meeting like relatives from a hundred years hence and stuff like that yeah. you know and this fe- feeling of disconnection from all from everything i'm gonna give you a challenge here uh and you gotta just say it like say it within like about five seconds okay i'll only Name. do it i'll only do it if you challenge me in french all right i challenge pour vous okay um challenge uh pour vous <laughs> all right Je challenge, uh, tu challenge, nous challenge, vous challenge, yeah. yeah. il challenge, elle challenge. Nous challengeons. Comme si, comme ça. Um, <laughs> right. All right. Name a movie yeah. that is not uh, an analogy for Vietnam. Go. <laughs> Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> Who's fooling themselves? <laughs> Who's fooling themselves? <laughs> Vietnam all over. I certainly, I certainly, I agree with you that if you like think in terms of seventies to eighties, you you really, it really is like a lot of those movies, yeah, have that element to them, you know, like Running Silent and stuff. Even movie like Dark Star, movies that feel like mm-hmm. they're unrelated in ways, but they're still like commenting on like the military industrial complex or yeah. Anytime you got of... a movie where war is pointless, mm-hmm. you're like, that's it. There's your Vietnam. Yeah, or there even, it is. but even a movie that deals with like you know post post-traumatic stress which of course wasn't understood at the time as you know i don't think that was diagnosed until much later in the 90s but people still understood like the effects it was having on people and so you have a movie like uh, rolling thunder and stuff like that where you know the character his actions are explicated by his by his experiences in war you know yeah i think i think it's a good 
That's a good one because it is hard to think of a movie that. Very, uh, very hard. But I, I mean, even harder to name like name a movie from the seventies that is about Vietnam. You know, Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, but I mean, I guess Greece. I guess Greece would be because it's a it's a. But even but I would say even those movies are like channeled through a prism of of post war America. Yeah. You know, and so the idea of Greece is that well, this was a better time when America was powerful and wasn't losing a war to other people. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Still, well, we, we did lo- lose still, a lot of young people. There's... We lost a lot of young people in the river. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. And I was going to say, there's um, that sequence of him going down the river yeah, they, talking. They, oh, that sequence going down the river. That is completely uh, Heart of Darkness. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's more Heart of Darkness than Heart of Darkness. Yeah. I mean, I guess Heart of, Dar- I mean, Heart of Darkness, of course, is, is a... A, a reference to that, I guess, but it, I mean, it's pre-Vietnam, but it's so apt to Vietnam that it we, we couldn't help but use it to describe the experience, I guess. Yeah, no, I like it. I like it. Uh, did you did you see that thing um, someone uh, was posting? Uh, they posted a thing talking about how, you know, when uh, Willy Wonka gave out all the, um, the, the gold uh, tickets, yes. how, you know, it was like all white kids that got it. Mm. And it was like, yeah, look at this. And um, but then that started a discussion that was kind of interesting. Okay. Uh, which was uh, uh, like uh, Charlie's uh, teacher mentions uh, that yes, uh, the only way to get this ticket is to buy near infinite chocolate bars. Like a regular person can't succeed in this. You cannot yeah. win yeah. Uh, the lottery. You can't win this thing. So no. that's a fool's errand yeah. to even be uh, assuming that. Yeah. And uh, and Charlie only win gets it dumb luck or whatever happens but yeah the rest all well, i th- i always kind of thought it was a setup by wonka to that charlie is the one who's chosen it could very well be and it that's could very well be and you know but yes all the rest of them are all like the the wealthy you know the children of wealthy parents who who you know they're all spoiled brats whose parents have spent a lot of money to get them this opportunity right and so uh so yeah that discussion kind of went on and then, and then someone mentioned, well, you know, in the original, like the first drafts of the story, Charlie wasn't white. Charlie was black. And I was like, what in the original Roald Dahl book, in the original Roald Dahl book, huh? uh, his widow uh, brought that up because that's what he wanted to like present was like, here was a kid who had no chance. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, but then uh, the publishers were like, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's too bad. Uh, yeah, that's too and bad. So, and so now the, all these people are going like, "Well, there's your remake, <laughs> right there." And go to that the would be that back. would be a good remake. The only problem is, is that you know that the urge is to like to populate the cast with uh, you know, kind of a, a what's what I'm looking for a uh, <laughs> this is a word for it that I can't think of. But anyway, to have like a, a variety of of different different a diverse. Uh, yeah, diverse. Yeah, like a diverse cast, and so that would kind of spoil your what you're going for, which is that you know. But I guess if they're just wealthy, it doesn't matter. I mean, you can have wealthy. Yeah. Wealth is its own race. <laughs> it's its own. Yeah, it's its own ethnicity. There's something. Yeah, there's definitely something to that. But no, I found that. I found that kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, ah, roll doll. Ah, that roll doll. <laughs> He, he wrote some uh, books. They're good and interesting and weird. Mm, that's what I liked about them. I think the most as a kid was their weirdness, the the all, the repulsiveness of James and the Giant Peach. 
li- mm-hmm. living in a peach pit with insects. Which yeah, I, it's gross. It's wonderfully gross. It's yeah. <laughs> and the drawings are gross. I mean, the drawings do kind of they do take the edge off a little bit because they smooth out the actual what I think about the horribleness of insects. I'm not a big fan of of insects, like close up pictures of insects. Okay. Peace to Ga- Gavin. I know that you love insects. I'm just not. I find the aesthetic a little off-putting. Do you think Gavin's favorite Roald Dahl book is James and the Giant Peach? It has to be, right? <laughs> what, else, what else would it be? Well, I, here's the thing. I don't know how much he likes chocolate. Like, I can't remember him eating chocolate when we met him. Like, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, know, I don't remember what he had for dessert yeah. at White Spot. I think he but likes, he like likes chocolate. He, he, he constantly demands tribute at Halloween, so I think he oh, likes... Oh, there you go. Well, he might be Willy Wonka then. Or <laughs> Elba Witches. Yeah, Witches is, is pretty good. Witches is very good. Yeah, they just did that as a uh, what what triggered me on the uh, Roll Doll thing mm. was um, I, I now go out uh, to see how our books selling, and <laughs> okay. uh, when I, when I do, I see other books that are out there. Yeah, and uh, the Witches one looked interesting. They, they've done that up as a graphic novel now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so I may I may pick that up in the uh, future. But 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 uh, uh, first, I've got to finish uh, Joe uh, by our friend uh, Kathleen Gross. Uh, just got that, and very excited about reading that. Ah, very good. Yes, I'm so still waiting for mine to uh, come to uh, to Indigo Books, which is where I ordered it through. We don't have a, I guess, no, we don't have a local uh, bookseller anymore. We used to have Black Bond Books, but they uh, closed down. So, oh, I'm sorry about that. I have That's to go through great. the giant, uh, the giant. But I mean, there's still there's still a bookstore. Mm-hmm. It's better than nothing. No, I got I got you. But yeah, I am very much looking forward. It's for those of you who don't know. Uh, first of all, uh, Kathleen's been on our show a couple of times, and she's a, a great cartoonist. Uh, but uh, she's done a reimagining of Little Women, uh, the, ish. So uh, yeah, and, uh, I'm very curious to read. Uh, very curious to read that and see where it uh, where it goes. Always uh, always enjoy her work, and as long as it's not selling better than our book, I'm fine. <laughs> Because I'm a petty, petty, <laughs> petty, petty little man, petty little man. Do yeah, you... it's like uh, we're right now on the Canadian um, kids uh, list. We're like number 10. Oh, we've, and, we've uh, fallen. We've fallen. We've fallen a little bit because, hey, I got to tell you what's gone on. Uh-huh. Uh, they got uh, two Terry Fox books on there now. Oh, well, we so can't, you can't, you yeah. can't beat Terry Fox. And of course, right? that's that's seasonal because the Terry Fox run should be happening now, only it's not because of COVID. But this is the time of the year that, that schools exactly. schools celebrate Terry Fox. And this is even more, I guess, even more to the, you know, they'll be using books instead of having um, Lisa at her school. They, they could, as an option, they could take the kids, her students for a walk, like a walk. You know, they couldn't do the run, but they could go for a, like a, a guided walk. So she did that with, with her, with her student that she has oh, right now. Nice. Okay. And she said, I think this girl was quite confused why we just went for a walk, but <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> was that right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they're, uh, so no one's they're ESL, they're ESL students. They've just, like a... they've just come here from, oh, okay. from China. So it, it, it no. was like a fire drill that went to. Yeah, far. that's right. No, was, I thought we were just going outside to, cause the school was, uh, you know, doing a drill, but no, we're going for a walk. We're walking through the woods. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. So here's the here's the books that are currently ahead of us. All right, all right. So uh, here's what we got. We yeah. got uh, Terry Fox and Me. Okay. Yeah. Who's that written by? That's written by Mary Beth Leatherdale. Okay. And it is illustrated by uh, Milan Pavlovic. Okay. All right. I wonder. I wonder what a relationship is to Terry Fox, or if it's just like he means so much to her that it's like anyway. I'm just speculating. Go on. You're, no, no, your your speculations. Uh, 
uh, beckon uh, my curiosity. <laughs> and they have beckoned my curiosity to the point where I have now clicked on that. Okay. And yet, my computer is so slow <laughs> that it is now just spinning around and around in a circle. And uh... eventually it will uh, get to it. But before it does, yeah. oh, no, there it is. Uh, let's see. Is, is, there any, is there any connection uh, between them? Uh, nope. It just looks like uh, they're writing about uh, hmm. Terry Fox, hmm. and that's fine. That's fine. I mean, he's a Canadian hero. Absolutely. Uh, So much so he's on this list twice. Number two (laughs) is The Marrow Thieves, which has been on number one for forever. Like, I I don't remember a time that The Marrow Thieves wasn't number one. Well, well, since we've been, since we've been, since we've been involved in this whole thing. But that's the only important thing is since we've been involved. Yeah, yeah. Before we got involved, who cares? Right? (laughs) Well, I agree with you. Who cares? Did you care? Like, no, no. Oh, that's what I'm. Album. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't think either of us were looking with any interest at what was selling in the kids. Right. The kids' uh, top ten books in Canada. And that's a that's a book about um, First Nations people that are uh, being hunted for their dreams. Okay. Yeah. So this it's it sounds interesting. It sounds uh, like uh, I I have it. I should read it. It's upstairs. I'll read it. Okay. Uh, number three is uh, the Barnabas Project, which I don't know what it's about, mm. but it has the most adorable cover <laughs> of uh, a little elephant yeah. that's uh, under glass. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Here's 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 the plot. Okay. Deep underground, beneath perfect pets, where children can buy genetically engineered perfect creatures, there's a secret lab. Barnabas and his friends live in the lab, and none of them is perfect. They are all failed projects, and Barnabas has never been outside of his tin, tiny jar. Yet he dreams of one day seeing the world above him uh, that his pal Pip the Cockroach has told him about. Well, wow, you got me. <laughs> I want him to bust out of there and, and see the world. So uh, hopefully hopefully he will. Um, number four is, once the good again. If, the good of the story, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. This, a, this ends with him. tragic British one day. 1970s uh, <laughs> uh, TV series. He thought he got out, but in the end, he was just slowly dying inside That's the right. jar. There's a, there's a leaking pipe above him that's slowly filling the jar with water. Oh, my God. Uh, feels like a film we recently reviewed. Uh, talked about. Um, number four, okay. meet, meet Terry Fox. Meet Terry Fox. Okay. By Elizabeth McCloy and illustrated by Mike Dees. Now, here's the thing. Yep. I, I have already met Terry Fox. Terry Fox and me. I've already met him mm. over there. Yeah. But now I'm meeting him again sure. for the for the first time. So that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, those are all great, and I'm sure they're raising money for charity. I'm sure they are. They must Oh yeah, they're sure it goes to Canada. But uh is this like a is it like an anniversary for him or something? Why are these two books coming out? That's my this question. Is an excellent question, and I bet you're correct in that. I think uh You started in seventy nine, I guess? Uh then it would not be the anniversary, but it or sorry, or or eighty. Yeah, nineteen eighty. Uh, you know, I you, should. You I, keep I, looking. You keep looking. I will look up this information. Okay, well, I'm going to keep going through this then. All right. Okay. So uh, then, the next the next book is well, this is our this is one of our mortal enemies, uh, the Paper Bag Princess. <laughs> ah, Paper Bag Princess. Although I, yeah. it's a good book. It's a good book. Yeah, and that's a that's a book about uh, a princess that likes huffing gasoline. I think. <laughs> If I'm getting I think that you're, right, think or, you're is it, thinking, or is it airplane glue? You're thinking of the plastic bag princess. Oh, the plastic bag princess. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's more efficient, I suppose. Um, okay, number, can, I just, can I just interrupt you for one second? Please tell me what's so, the update uh, Terry Fox's... Yes, uh, Terry, Terry Fox. Marathon. In 1980, with one leg having been amputated due to cancer, he embarked on an east-to-west cross-Canada run to raise money and awareness for cancer research. So 1980, so that is exactly 
40 years ago. Am I right? 40 years ago, yeah. Yep. Man, that's uh, 40 years. Yeah, I, re- I, I, I remember it very, very clearly, yeah. And then I remember being like really thrilled that he was on Real People. So he 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 ran he ran uh, for 143 days. Right. Uh, he ran for 5,373 kilometers, but unfortunately he had to stop there because of the, the spread of cancer made him have to stop, and he and of course he died of, of that. But uh, and the you know the sad part. I mean, the, I wouldn't say sad, but the 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 kind of triumphant part of that is that you know his efforts of course led to more cancer research, and what he had would have been curable now would have been much more curable than it would have been then i mean all cancer of course has a risk a, you know a percentage of, of risk but it's a much higher percentage of of, of uh recovery now so that's good i i agree i'm, I'm all for thank you Trey fox you deserve position number one and position number four was it yeah yes absolutely and uh let's see and then we got number six number six, number six is yeah. uh hatch Hatch, okay. Hatch, which is book two. Yep. In the Overthrow series, it looks like. Ah, I don't know what that is, but okay. Well, well, why don't I tell you? Oh, please do. Um, it's, it's, it's the author of the Silverwing trilogy. Ah, of course, it's a trilogy. It's all, all trilogies all the time. <laughs> we, we, um, so we think. The description is, first the rain brought seeds. Okay, that's not what rain usually brings, so that's unusual. <laughs> Seeds that grew into alien plants. Oh, were they triffids? Well, they burrowed. Yep. They strangled. Oh, dear. And they fed. Yeah, so that's no good. Yeah, no, it's bad. But let me tell you about these three kids. Okay. Seth, Anya, and Petra, they're they're immune to the toxins and found a way to combat them. But just as they have their first success, oh, fuck it, the rain begins again. (laughs) Now this rain. Yeah. It's the second rain, so it's the second book. Like what the hell is going to be rain? Frankly, I would have called it Rain of Terror. That's me. That's me. I'd call it Rain of Terror, but you decided to call it Hatch. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> you know, obviously, you're doing better than me on the sales charts. Who am I to judge you? I, no one. No, that's why. Anyway, the rain brings eggs this time. Now these eggs they hatch into insects, and not small insects, no. but bird-sized mosquitoes. So you know, trouble, trouble, and boat-sized water striders that can carry away their prey, and their prey can be you. <laughs> also, borer worms that can eat through the foundation of a house. So it's just a bad world. To yeah, me. it sounds uh, sounds like an uncomfortable place. So have a concrete foundation. That's right. Quite high up. Yeah, there you are. Uh, so uh, then you got, they got after that, you got like seven. Uh, we've got, uh, if you enjoyed Hello Humpback, and I know you did. Who didn't? You know, we all enjoyed Hello Humpback. Hello uh, Humpback whale, hello, humpback. Uh, ain't no humpback whale, ain't no humpback whale. Um, humpback, humpback, humpback to where you once belonged. The ocean. Uh, this my humpback, called... my humpback, my lovely, lovely humpback. Okay, go on. Yeah, and this is a this story called One Eagle Soaring. Yeah. And it is about uh, an eagle. Well, makes sense. Yeah, and it's a uh, it's uh, explores counting and numbers with the help of West Coast animals. That sounds you know great. What? I don't see how that's better than Sparks. Well, here's the thing. You know, it feels like okay. I'm not again one to judge people to categorize books. Yeah, but it feels like our book about uh, two lovable cats that dress as a dog and try to save uh, people. Yeah, uh, a book about how to count using eagles. <laughs> 
um, and uh, borer worms that will go into your house yeah. and murder you. Yeah. Uh, along with uh, the paperback princess. Yeah. Um, and, and people hunting First Nations folks for their uh, marrow to, so they can dream. Uh, these books are not in the same pile. <laughs> right? It's like yeah. it's like Hunger Games and the Cat in the Hat yeah. are like together <laughs> on the same list. It does feel like there's some YA that has crept into this. I don't think the Paperback Princess falls that way, but this the one with the borrower worm sounds like more like young adult fiction than it sounds like a book for for right for kids. But then I don't know. I, I don't know what either. they. I don't know how they. You know. Again, they... I'm hanging on at number ten. Yeah. I can like if I was back up to where we were at number two. Sure. Back yeah. in the day, yeah. I'd be all first. I'll tell you how to work it. But I don't know. <laughs> I'm just a number ten uh, guy. Yeah, I'm on. like I'm hanging on by my fingernails. Yeah, yeah. Jack. We're the kitten in the tree. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's exactly what we are. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, next uh, is it, number eight. Yeah. That is "Love You Forever," which is the story oh. by Robert Munch yeah. about a vampire family. <laughs> I believe. You know, I never. It's funny. Like the girls read that book when they were kids, and they loved that book. Oh, good, good. It's and I was, very rare that kids like it. It's more parents like that. And I was talking to uh, Eve about it, and she she kind of she kind of uh, scoffed at at us, and she said she said, "Well, you don't you're not thinking like kids. You're thinking like adults. Oh, when you're, when you're talking about that book. Okay, hit me with the with this. Well, All just right. that they don't like our our feeling that it's creepy and stuff like that. They don't kids don't pick up on that idea. Like to them, mm-hmm. it's just about love. It's not. There's no creepy element to it." Whereas when we read it as adults, we bring our own kind of baggage to it. And we're just like, oh, this is making me uncomfortable. And uh, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. I, I, I kind of liked it. And I bought it for, uh, I bought it for my sister uh, when she had her, uh, her first baby, um, uh, my nephew, Kyle. Yep. And uh, I could tell she did not care for that book at all. <laughs> um, yeah. But again, it is, it is my history of bringing my sister presents that uh, might as well just be lead balloons. <laughs> It'll just be, just be a bag of garbage. Yeah, I got you, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Mm. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna get like, uh, I'm gonna get stick for for this all day long. All right, fine. All right, just throw in the garbage. You're right. It's a terrible album, and no one ever liked it. That's my mistake. My mistake. Okay. So next, next. Well, it's we not have... even okay. Let me just, let me just, let me just go into this a little bit more. Like, Please do. It's not even that you gave a dif- disappointing present, whatever. Yeah. It's the fact that it was made a thing of that it was a disappointing present. That seems <laughs> that seems worse. Like you know, not everyone, you know, like you can't always like give the it's greatest gift. It's not a gift. jar of farts. <laughs> it's just like you just like you go thank you, you 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 know make some faces over it, and then you then you move on to the next one. You don't need to like stop and make a stink face and make a fuss out of the fact that you got one of the world's greatest albums for your birthday. Huh. Kids these days. I mean those days. Kids those days. Kids all days. Would you describe I don't you don't have you can say you can say uh, I recuse myself from this, but would you would you describe Recuse me <laughs> Would you would you <laughs> would you describe your sister, no names, your sister as oh, a, I think I said it already. Didn't I? I don't know. As okay. a as a kind of a mean girl. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you you didn't recuse yourself. So she was kind of like one of the at school. She was kind of like one of the. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But in, but at home, that. but at home, she. Yeah. I I just remember her being rather. She had a bit of a an acid tongue that she, we she kind of she kind of made us both understand that 
we just weren't we weren't all that we were nothing yeah pretty much that sounds about right. <laughs> we were we that sounds fair we weren't worthy I, I get on with i get on with her uh yeah, fine now because we've got the kids in common like sure so so it's nice because i can just go like into the house and like how you doing great yeah. great great that's really great hey kids what's <laughs> I, well the kids i gotta go hang out with the kids. people that yeah. seem to care about some shit i get it i get it i'm the same yeah uh, right now, yeah, and I'm talking to her now. She's talking about like, uh, uh, <laughs> it's like a family vacation. There's always like one element where I'm just like, well, I'm a weird prude. Like I just feel like I'm the, I'm the guy with a huge stick up his ass. Where it's it's like, yeah. So we went, we we went to we're in Mexico, and uh, and uh, we all went to uh, tequila tasting. And I'm like, huh? All all of you? Yeah, all of you. You mean and and the children? Stayed in another room. No, no, they have some for kids there too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tequila, so, tequila for tots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of their popular TV shows. Is the tequila tots? <laughs> uh, yeah, but apparently there is like, oh uh-huh. no, no. There, it's like, it's like in you know, in like in, in France, children drink wine, and it's like, uh, so you know, in New yeah. Mexico, yeah. kids drink uh, tequila. And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, this is um, no. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Yeah. It is true. It's they, true. It's they fine, do drink but, tequila. Yeah, huh. like she's not making that up. It's true, but okay. it's like I don't. Mm, again, <laughs> your family, your choice, your rules, your life. Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Not yeah. no. That would be a hard no uh, for me. <laughs> and I'm the weirdo artsy uncle. You know, I should yeah. be the guy. Come on, man. Come on. Uh, and I'd be like, um, so number nine uh, is. Uh, uh, the orange shirt story. Now that's a serious story. That's a story about residential schools and the, and it's a, it's a specific story about, uh, it's one, uh, uh, she's a woman now, but she was a girl then, uh, she wore her shiny orange shirt that her granny had bought for her her first day at residential school. And, uh, you know, uh, for first nations people. And, uh, it took away, took it away from her and told her she couldn't wear it uh, again. And it's a story about residential schools and why, Oh God, so yeah, I I I read another version of it because they did a version of it that was like for younger kids. Yeah. But unfortunately, they took out so much of it that was uh, disturbing that it was like it made no sense at all. It just like she wore her orange shirt to school. They said you can't wear an orange shirt here. So she was sad. Yeah. Okay, but wait. Yeah. That, now, if that then triggers a, uh, a you know conversation with the parents. That's all well and good, but you gotta say because you gotta <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure this this story. So I'm you're taking you mean because she went was sent to a residential school? You mean yeah, yeah, yeah. That lady yeah. actually came to our church and talked to us. Oh, that the oh the person who uh, yeah, the kind of founded the whole orange orange shirt thing. Is yeah? it uh, yeah. Phyllis uh, Webstad? Is that uh, who yeah, some kind of name like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. that's right. I just remember she was a lady who came to the church. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, she no, spoke she's... to us, and yeah, it was really, really good. Because we have uh, a few a- Aboriginal people at our church, so you know, it's um, yeah, it was, it was good, it was good. We because the Anglican Church, of course, was part of of the residential school. Um, in the resi- residential school business, they were like, oh, we'll take some government money to do stuff. Okay. So yeah, so it's part of our past. So we also have to reconcile, you know. Yes. Yeah. And so yeah, it's uh, she came and talked to us. So it is it is a very touching story when you know to have the person who told who experienced it to tell you the story. It's oh wow, that's something. Mm-hmm. Wow, I wish it, I, 
I'm somewhat jealous that you got to get, got to hear her talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and meet her and, after. Oh, well, rub, rub it in. <laughs> okay, that's great. Now she's your best friend. That's great. That's nice. Mm-hmm. And then some of the kids, um, some of the First Nations kids then did a dance as well. So it was, uh, was kind of nice. Oh, cool. All dressed up in yeah, I'm glad, regalia. I'm glad, that, I'm glad that story is getting getting out more. I'm, mm-hmm. It's one of the drags that like uh, Anne with an E got, uh, you know, wrapped up mm. uh, was because they were because they did cover uh the residential school story quite well oh okay and it was oh, like, that's good yeah, 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 yeah. it was oh, very very disturbing but also it was very effective mm-hmm. um and now number 10 is sparks double dog dare uh by Her- me illustrated mm-hmm. by nina matsumoto yeah. and colored by david decker oh that's nice yeah that's a good book and i'm by number 10 listen <laughs> it's a good time to go out there and buy an extra copy for a relative and you know Christmas <laughs> it's just around the corner and some people say I can't eat candy for Halloween not with the situation hey listen here's something kids like get a book give them a book you know trick or treat book <laughs> like what a book yeah oh this is great and they'll be so happy and they'll go thank you this will not um, give me COVID and we'll go it won't and you give them a little nod and like enjoy and off they walk and you go like, was that kid a ghost? It's like, he was. I'm like, oh, scary real ghost. And then they all take pictures of themselves and they post them. I'm like, well, real ghosts aren't allowed to do that. <laughs> Just fake ghosts. <laughs> anyway, I've, I've gone off on a bit of a rant, but uh, uh, long story short, buy our book. Okay? Yeah. We're good? Yeah. All right, good. Is that, what that, was that what that all was leading up to? Yeah, I'm, uh, I've been... I've been having to do a lot of publicity over the last couple of days. So mm. I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the zone. Also by Exorcisters. Uh, the second book is coming out in, uh, in, in October, late October in comic shops, early November in the bookstores. I, I just proofed it, uh, tonight and it looks uh, really, really good. Giselle Legacy did an amazing job of it. So, uh, check it out. I'm going to, I'm going to send David an early copy. And, uh, said- if he likes it, maybe he'll, he'll, he'll mention that he likes it. You're sending. Me? You? Me? Oh, I'll mention that I like it. Yeah, I'll give you a blurb for the back. That would really sell it. Thanks. I'll just write it on there in marker. <laughs> Good book. Says Dave. Says Dave. <laughs> says Dave. Is he a little biased? No. Yeah, why not? Why not, indeed? I, I do a podcast called A Little Biased. Mm-hmm. It'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, actually, you know what? I want to interrupt the show. Okay, you, you can't. You're the you're the show. I'm gonna interrupt you the show. You can't interrupt. No, you yeah, can't. This is an inter- this is an interruption. No, you are continuing and... the show. There's no way you can interrupt the show. <laughs> and I just want to let people know that one of our one of our listeners, one of our friends of the show, Sarah Walsh. Um, if you go to YouTube to her channel, it's called Earth Immigrant. Okay. Uh, you can watch her play music, and she she puts a weekly every Wednesday. She puts up a new song with her playing music. In her, in her living room, it looks like. And uh, it's really good. She's done some covers. She did, did some Bee Gees. She's done some of her own songs. And uh, I recommend everyone going there. So go to Earth Immigrant and uh, check it out. So there you go. Very good. How many, uh, how many songs are uh, up there? I think she has done three weeks, maybe four weeks. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it's three. I might be wrong. Three or four uh, weeks. Uh, well, let me, let me, let me interrupt the show, Dave. For yes. A you, well, I don't know. I don't think that's a good idea. I'm going to interrupt the show. I was on a bit of a roll and I feel like you're. Uh, Dave, I'm interrupting the show. I'm sorry. You, you interrupted. And I've got to interrupt <laughs> well, back. you know what? You're right. I interrupted it. It's totally fair. You, you interrupt now. I'm going to interrupt it. Yeah. And let me just say this. Mm-hmm. 
we had someone write us, and this kind of thing just makes me mad. Okay. It's a person, a person writing us and asking us to do some sort of like thing where like we mentioned their podcast and they're going to mention our podcast. Okay. And I'm like, we don't do that shit. Yeah. That's not the kind of thing we do. Yeah. And let me tell you who these, these people are. Sure. They're a podcast yeah. called, apparently, Tabletop Titties. T-I-D-D-I-E-S. Yes. Okay? So yeah. it's like they play D&D. Yeah. Uh, they're all female, they're queer, they're feminists. Uh, they got, it's a, it's a podcast. It's out of get this Vancouver, BC, <laughs> huh. right? Well, step, it's, stepping uh, on our got, toes, but okay. Yeah. They got this goal to normalize and empower women in the nerd and RPG com- committee. And, uh, you know, it's committee it's or community, the, a community, okay. a committee. It's by committee that the community is picked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you, you know, for, thank you for elucidating. It's run by Charlene Bear, co-host of something called Drinking and Screaming, which apparently is the number one film review podcast in Canada. Anyway, they're like, hey, mention our podcast, and then yeah. we'll mention your podcast. And I'm telling you, listen, Tabletop Titties, I'm not mentioning your podcast. I'm not doing it. That's not how we play it. Yeah. Sarah Mayfield that's writing not, us so like That's it. not how we roll. That is not, yeah, that we don't roll that dice. <laughs> That's right. This is a uh, this is a critical. This is some critical shit. Mm. Is what I say. About yeah, this. I get. I get it. Yeah. Anyway, so apparently, you know, they wanted us to say something like that, and they're going to like plug our podcast on theirs. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, sorry, tabletop titties. T i d d i e s. Nope. <laughs> it's dropping October 29th. So that's a little far away from now. Probably forget about it. <laughs> yeah. Done. Done. I say I'm done with get, reading the mail for that kind of crap. Not doing it. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. thank you for taking such. Uh, thank you for interrupting the show and okay. take and taking such a strong stand. I, I do. I, I appreciate I, it. I do take a strong stand sometimes. <laughs> yes. I want to get your thoughts on something. All right, but please interrupt the show to do so. <laughs> <laughs> Can I interrupt the show for a second? Good. Let's take a break from the show and uh, and, and 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 have some more show. Go ahead. All right. Just, let's have a let's have a bread sandwich here. Let's love a slice of bread between two pieces of bread, and here we go. All right. So I I was looking at Twitter today, and I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, that's where uh, that's where I go to get yelled at and have people try to fire me. Right. Oh, is that what is that what happens? That's, it's happened in the past. Yeah. Okay, but go ahead. So um, I'm sorry. I just have to look up something here, and unfortunately, Please. my so sure I was uh, it was a um. A writer. I think he's a comic book writer. Uh oh, I, I know some of those guys. <laughs> okay, and you okay, know, that, I... and you know that they're they're trouble. Uh, yeah. Okay, go ahead. So he, um, hmm. Gary uh, Conway. Jerry Conway, yeah. Jerry Conway is who you're talking about. Yeah. Ah, that was a that was a good guess, huh? Well, he. What uh... a good guess that was on my part, <laughs> out of nowhere. Jerry Conway, you say it's a it's a comic book writer. Yeah. What do I do? I pull a writer from the seventies. I pull it right right out of there, out of nowhere. <laughs> Boom! And I'm correct. You are correct. Okay. And he also is a writer for Law and Order. Oh, is he? A, a lot, a lot, a lot of orders. Yes. So, oh, I wish I could. I just trying to find the uh, thread that he was writing. I someone else linked to it, and and I'm and I realize now that he has. He has twi- tweeted about four gazillion times since then, I guess. He has. Oh, okay. I can, I've, I've, I've uh, found it. Where, 
where would you like me to send this to you? Or how would you like me to give this to you? The, th- the thread? Yeah. Oh, you know, got, you know the one I'm talking about then? Yeah, he, he wrote this on bleedingcool.com. Oh, is that yeah. where it was? Okay, it was okay. It was originally there, that's correct, yes. Okay, maybe I'll go there then. Just give me a maybe, second. May, maybe you will, and maybe I'll uh, send you a direct message right now uh, with it, and uh, we'll do that. And this is so professional. <laughs> we could edit this, and yet we don't. <laughs> Why no, should we, we bother? It's just trouble. Yeah, there it goes. Don't you want people to know how this show is made? Uh, by the mm-hmm. skin of our teeth? By, <sighs> by us just like going, hey, let's talk about this thing right now. Yeah, skin of our teeth. That's why I get all these awful teeth zits. <laughs> I didn't know that skin, but apparently it does. So, so you're talking about uh, uh, Jerry Conway's uh, idea of how to fix uh, comic books. Well, I liked I liked the fact that he had like someone to blame himself. Okay. Uh, first of all, Jerry Conway famously yeah. uh, killed um, uh, Gwen Stacy. He wrote the story where uh, the Green Goblin uh, went on to, I forget what bridge it was, Brooklyn Bridge, I think, mm-hmm. and threw Gwen Stacy off of the bridge. Spider-Man went, I'll save you, uh, did a little web uh, thing. Whoops. Uh, ended up snapping her neck. Eh, mistake. Uh, Spider-Man's like, I'll kill you. And then later goes, I'm not going to kill you. Uh, <laughs> and, and Green Goblin is going to kill him with his uh, goblin uh, glider and uh, Spider-Man jumps out of the way and uh, Green Goblin kills himself. And that's the story. And it uh, changed Spider-Man forever. And it was basically such a big deal. It was basically you had a Superman story where Lois Lane got killed and then Lex Luthor got killed. We'd be like, what? It was it was uh, completely groundbreaking and they've undone almost all of it in comics. <laughs> but I think he's also the co-creator, if I'm right, of uh, The Punisher as well. I think, okay. He, okay. I think he and Ross Andrew also... Created the Punisher, but uh, I'm interrupting you. Please, Dave. Uh, well, I just tell wanted, me what you wanted to talk away. Yeah, I just uh, wanted to get your. I, I guess I wanted to get your opinion of what he's saying. But let me just. Let me just. Um, I just want to kind of start from where I thought it was in, most interesting was him uh, blaming. Yeah, he says when I and my cohorts replaced the creatives who'd given the comic book business massive success in the 1960s, folks like Stan Lee. And Julius Swartz, we brought with us our boomer self-obsession. We didn't want to create comics for kids. We wanted comics for us. That's the origin of comic book superheroes shift from middle grade, middle grade readership in the 1960s to young adult readership in the 1970s and adult readership in the 1990s and beyond. The refusal of the boomer creatives and editors like myself and others to, in big capital letters, let it go... We redefined the readership comics were aimed at, coinciding with a shift in distribution that allowed the redefinition to stick. The result is a dead end for comic book business as a pub- as publishing. And what do you think of that statement? Uh, I want to ask him. Okay, he also tells a story of like going and visiting uh, the DC offices. Yes. Uh, and Julie Schwartz, uh, you know, he he was uh, giving him a, an idea for like a I think a Green Lantern or something. And Julie Schwartz went, "How old are you?" And he went, "I'm 14." Too old. You're not our market. <laughs> now, now my question is, yeah, when when was the time? Like basically, that the market is uh, like uh, kids who are basically between like nine boys yeah. between nine and thirteen, basically. Yeah, That's about yeah. What, what they are. But my question on that is, when what years were these? Like. Because I look, I look back at something like, you know, 
EC comics. Yeah. And I'm like, were those for, is that what you're going for there? Like with your psychiatry comics? Like, <laughs> well, I, like it, I personally think that the new trend comics was a misreading of, of the market in that it, they assumed, EC assumed that they had an older readership than they did. And okay. So when fair. they went with when they went with extra and and yes, most most famous most famously and oddly psychoanalysis, yeah. but also pirates. Like there was a lot of different new trend uh, comics introduced right, at that those time. Were very densely written. Like even yeah. even me when I'm reading them now as an adult, yeah. I get a little bit of a okay. <laughs> I'm reading the novel now. Well, okay. I I agree with you there, but I I but of course. We we live in a time that where our reading reading is different for us than it was for people then. Where the idea of spending a dime on a comic was a lot of money, and right. EC made it made it last. Like you really well, got your a, money's worth, yeah, you know, on the reading we, side I mean, of there, things. There were okay. There's a couple of times where the market just went, Ew. Uh, <laughs> and it's like okay, in the in the fifties when uh, you know you had uh, you know Seduction of the Innocent. And then you see how to get rid of all of their horror line, which is their big selling line. Yeah, yeah. And and, and, but, and let's, then everyone... but let's be let's be you know okay. There's there's different things going on there because that was more self immolation than it was. Okay, but I'm just pressure. talking like when he's going and, and a lot of it was because the other publishers were jealous of EC's success. Sure, they pretty much re- created a, a situation where EC couldn't publish their their titles anymore because all their titles were banned words. Right. I mean. There's reasons for all of this. Yeah. But like what he's talking about, here's why comics are failing. Yeah. My feeling is comics fail about every 20 years. <laughs> like that's, that's about right, right? Like, I mean, Superman right. was created in 38. Yeah. Then led right into World War II. Yeah. And then all these characters were uh, propaganda characters. They were, let's punch Hitler in the mush. Yeah. Okay. Boom. Yeah. And and so, and then we, we loved Batman punching Hitler and we loved Superman punching Hitler and yeah. all everyone's punching Hitler. And then where you got no more Hitler and <laughs> then superheroes kind of just go, Boo. no one cares about superheroes anymore. Yeah. Batman comics are selling shitty. Everything. They're just not selling that great comics yeah. in general. Romance comics are doing okay. Horror comics are doing okay. Yeah, they, they because when you, the- because when you think about like the the great cartoonists of that time period, where most of those guys came out of the army and went into comics, so there obviously was like a market there that was attractive, at least to to oddballs like like Wally Wood and Jack Davis and yeah. And- but it wasn't sup- It wasn't the same superheroes. No, that no, they no. Were doing through there, but this is what I'm saying is like to me, to me, uh, you know, you got to go like. Has this ever happened before? Yeah. Well, yes. Oh, what happened then? Oh, things changed a bit. Oh, yeah. well, very good then. Yeah. Uh, and I get that he's got a change of coming, but like it, it, to me, it makes sense to just go over kind of the history of a little bit. Yeah. And so, and so, yeah, there was that. And then EC had to change everything. And superheroes really weren't a thing. They weren't huge. You know, yeah. you still had Superman was around, but mm, not selling great. Wonder Woman was barely a thing. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the Silver Age came. And uh, they started rebooting uh, old characters like the Flash and Green Lantern and characters that they already owned, but tried to make them a bit more modern. And that got some juice going, got some juice, enough juice going that they said, let's team these guys all up uh, and make the Justice League. And uh, Marvel Comics, which at the time was, I think, called Timely, um, yeah. was just about to go under. And Stan Lee was kind of in charge of it. And there, and and he overheard 
uh, one of the publishers talking about Justice League while playing golf, and we're like, we're putting together a team book. Team books are where it's at. Team books are where it's at, you say. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, I'm going to make a team book, but I'm going to make a team book this way he tells the story, so whatever. Yeah. I'm going to make a team book, but I'm going to make a team book that I want to make without any, you know, be more mature. We're not, we're not getting any silly costumes. These are going to be these are going to be superheroes that just dress in regular clothes. They're not going to have costumes. Uh, who are these characters? These were the Fantastic Four. Oh, they don't wear costumes. Okay. They didn't at first. Yeah. Uh, all right. they, they were street clothes. Yeah. Because uh, costumes are silly. That's kid stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and also, no one thought Fantastic Four was going to do anything. Like it was a real joke that he put the world's greatest comic magazine on the cover. <laughs> it was like, of course it's not. That's ridiculous. But then it started to be popular, and then he went, like, eh, "Costumes are a good idea." And 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 then the Marvel comics started going, and those were written not for little kids. Those were written for college kids. Those were like uh, putting in a lot of uh, you know uh, pop pop art, you know surrealism. You know, uh, hip lingo, slick, slick, slick. You know, uh, kids still liked it because kids like what older kids like. But it wasn't aimed for little kids by any means. It was that's he was shooting for college, and that's where those comics were really, really popular. Then, of course, it all dives again in the seventies. People are sick of superheroes again because it's just gone on too long. And then they all become horror because horror is doing well. And so they all try and do that. And it's like, eh, it's doing so-so. It's doing so-so. And then the 80s come and it's superheroes again and it bursts up again. And 90s, you got Image doing their extreme blood fist, punch gore, whatever, spawn chain. And yeah. uh, that leads us to basically where we are uh, kind of right now. I think it's interesting, though, that the, the 60s are called the, the Silver Age. I just feel like... You know, that's like, a, a, of course, a reading pa back to the past by a, a particular interest group in comics. Like, like they're missing, they're missing the 50s. Like, they're missing, like, the, the decade of some of the greatest creators when they, when they started working. You know, like, yeah. like Jack Davis, Wally Wood, we've already said them. But also uh, Basil Wolverton, um, Carl Barks, you know, um, uh, uh, Dan DiCarlo. Well, the whole Archie, the whole Archie Enterprise. So not just him, but all the other people that were, drew for Dick Montana and people like that. And then, um, you know, th that to me feels more like a Silver Age. I just feel like, I feel like we just read comics as being up and down simply by whether superheroes are popular. Like I don't think because Boys Ranch and and mm. romance comics and what whatnot were selling so well in the fifties. I, I don't. I doesn't. I don't think that means no, that's that. Fair. That's that's fair. That's fair. Okay. And I and I wonder that I, I you know I just feel like that he's right in the sense that we have this really like superhero centric idea of what where comics are and what comics should be and you know kind of at at the industry's peril as as they're starting to discover yeah. I and I mean they probably don't really care very much the industry itself because you know they're they're mass marketing the superheroes just so so effectively right now and that and that's its own kind of boom which may and may may or may not end up in a bust you know at some point as well where people just kind of get tired of it all but but right now it's you know it's it's all it's it's uh you know uh superheroes ahoy but i, I think that i think they've spread it out enough though where there's no there's very few of this okay i know people are like it's all superheroes <laughs> but like there's something very different about you know like the doom patrol tv series as opposed to 
a, a Spider-Man as opposed to you know they're all they're all very different. Even if it's superheroes, it's different it, styles. It, but they're they're, it's they're the boys. The boys is very very different. Mm-hmm. You know, but they're all, they're all uh, kind of drawing. The they are drawing from us from the same well though. So you know they're all kind of going. They're all kind of dipping their beak in the same the same kind of. You know, they're just they're kind of making their own twist on them and stuff, which is also interesting, of course, do, because do you think that's they are, like if you if you mention okay, so so you got the boys, yeah, which yeah definitely is like doing a parody of Justice League, yeah. But then you got something like Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. Do you think that okay? So what's what are Guardians of the Galaxy dipping their beak into? Well, I think that they're also like having they're using like the the kind of comic book tropes and superhero tropes and things like that, the way they tell their stories and you know, and that we are. I mean, obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy is kind of a is a weird one. That's why you're bringing it up because they're not popular characters. They're not ones where we went, oh, we used to love Guardians of the Galaxy. I can't well, wait to see the, those guys. None of the Marvel ones that are popular now are popular characters. Iron Man was never a popular character. Well, but I think he was iconic. And I you think, knew I, you knew him. But yeah, I think and I think the same asked. with Thor. Like, even if you didn't care about Thor, you knew who Thor was. Did you though? Like, if you went to a regular person, like if you yeah. were in high school, yeah. and you went up to a guy, like in, okay, a guy in shop class, and went like, yeah, "Hey, yeah. what's uh, you, you ever heard of Thor?" And they'll go like, "Yeah, I kind of know about Thor." They yeah. also probably know Thor because Thor is an actual mytholo- mythological character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, what can Thor do? Or like, what's Thor's secret identity? Well, yeah, I mean, who's, but you know, who's anyone Thor would fight? What's what's the deal with Thor? They'd be aware of it, but I don't, I don't think they'd know. They'd know, and you definitely would be like, "There's a Thor movie playing this weekend. Do you want to go?" <laughs> Fuck no. Well, Are you crazy? Yeah. There's an Iron Man movie playing. I, well, I said the same it, thing Eric. after I saw it. Um, the you know, I, but I, I don't mean that they knew it intimately, but I do think that those characters had like an iconic status where people knew like the Iron Man costume. They knew Thor's helmet and his thingies and his, the fact that he had a hammer. You know, they, you just, you know how you just kind of know things. You don't have to like, you don't have to you're read aware, it or whatever, you're but you're aware, aware of, of it, right? Them, but you would never purchase anything yeah, of them. You don't. There'd be no reason for you to have a connection to yeah. them. I mean, my connection to Spider-Man was through Electric Company. Sure. Yeah, you know, that that's, was my first introduction. That's where I that's where I knew Spider Man from. I didn't I didn't like the comics, and I, I did I did watch the TV show later with uh, that actor Nicholas. What his name was? Yeah, Nicholas uh, Sound of Music. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> was that what he was in Sound of Music? He was in Sound of Music. He's one of the Van Trapp kids. Yeah. yeah. He's also in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, very good. He's the director. So long, farewell, Adler's ain't twit, and then he swings off. <laughs> But, I mean, you know, I think, you know, I'm not saying that those movies are like uh, cookie cutter or they're copies of each other or whatever. But I, I, I just, I think at some point people are just going to be kind of like, eh, you know, we've done it, been there, get it, had enough. I don't know. I think they're so different that, I think you know? they're so different that uh, there'll but, be something that'll hook. But horror movies, you know, horror movies come and go too. And they're, they're not the cookie cutters either, you know, so. Yeah. Do they? As, as, when was a period that horror did not uh, do well? Because I was always under the impression that horror, like, I, again, you're talking like the big horrors, your Sixth Senses or your Saw or whatever. Yeah, like, I was thinking like a big, like a big time of, yeah, like a Saw would, it seems like kind of remarkable, right? Like you don't, it's not every but, day, or the that, Scream franchise or whatever, but I, I mean, I guess. That I guess all comes out though, like the horror movies, yeah. their, their, their big thing was, of course, it was like, you know, your midnight movies and your, you know, you'd see them in the scuzzy theater and you'd yeah, see that yeah. stuff. But then it moved on to VHS and you'd be in the, you'd be in the, you know, video sure. rental place. Like, what's this? 
I blank on your blank. Well, I'll <laughs> see that too. Okay, well there we are. That's where horror movies always thrive. But I think you there's know, I, I think there's a difference between something that a, it has a constant, you know, group of fans, and that's true of horror or any, any other thing. But being something that's over overground and everyone everyone's interested in it, those you know, there's a difference between that. You know, like a movie like Hostel, you know, it has its fans, but it's not it's not an overground film. It's not going to be. It's not a movie that people are talking about at the water cooler at work. Hostel you know? feels like what Jerry Conway is saying about about superheroes. Though <laughs> that feels like you know, you got Eli Roth, and he's like, I love horror movies. Yeah, he's like okay, so I'm going to make one that's really going to mess you. And it's like, yeah, but you're making the adult version of the horror movie because <laughs> it's also got the message. It's got the get it. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot like this. And there, mm-hmm, because you see, <laughs> and I think we all learned a valuable lesson while I was blah, 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 blah. Whereas, you know, your typical horror movie for there is just, because, like, again, I've got a niece and I've got a nephew, and uh, kids like horror. They like it. It's the it's a thrill. It's a challenge to their them and their friends. Like, you know, the 10-year-old really wants to go, Let's, we should watch this movie. Do you want to see it? I don't know. Maybe. No. Yeah. It's like the meat and hot wings. It's just, yeah. Yeah. We should, yeah. We should watch it. Uh, were you scared? No. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but do you want to see another? Yeah. It's, it's that. It feels like a little, there's a little kid energy to a horror movie. It's, yeah. a, it's a roller coaster ride. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing. And that feels like what superheroes are too, to a degree as well. I, I guess for me, what's, I, I mean, I guess what he's saying is appealing to me because I, I'm not that interested. In, I mean, I, I like, obviously I like independent comics, but I feel like, in, you know, alternative comics, whatever, you know, Peter Baggy and Dan Close and Hernandez Brothers and people like that, or, or Chester Brown, whoever, you know, they're obviously marketed towards an adult readership. There's no attempt to, you know, those books are, those books are dealing with adult subject matter. They're dealing with it for the most part in an adult way. You know, they're not... They're not recommending that we punch each other as a way to solve problems and and that, you know, that uh, to be really adult is to, you know, have uh, rape sequences and things like that. You know, that's how you show how cool you are. Like that's it seems like those books exist sort of dif- separately from from what Jerry Conway is talking about. And I almost feel like his ans- what his what he wants for a cure is for comic book companies to sort of embrace like a scholastic model where you have you know, a variety of, of, you know, material that you market to, to, you know, middle grade to kids who are in, you know, kids who are grade, I guess, grade three or four to grade eight as your like prime market, you know, and stuff that's well-written, I, a book like say Sparks, where you can have a broad, you know, because it, it chooses to, to be interesting to various ages, you can consider it as an all ages, but it's still readable by kids. You know, mm-hmm. whereas something like most modern comic books, I think would you'd have a. I, I, I think that I don't know how interested kids would be in those comics. You know, no, they cost too much money. They're uh, yeah. Here's here's they cost here's too much money, but they're not even like appealing looking for kids. I don't think. No, comic books, I think, are yeah. It's it's you read them too fast, and then what's the thing? Whereas they could. This is where I think you could hook kids on comics a little bit would be at the library where you can just like mm. get them for free. And yeah, you know, yeah. what do you care that this was a story from 10 years ago? <laughs> well, no, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's how we discovered Asterix and Tintin, yeah, of course, without the school exactly. library, you know, yeah, we wouldn't and have, those books felt have, worth it too, right? Like, yeah, you wouldn't have been able to afford 
to buy all those Asterix books or the, all those Tintin books as a kid. No. But you can, no. you can go into the library every week and, and get them. <laughs> yeah, you put in your request and then it arrives in a, in a couple of weeks and you're like, yes. I, I think what happened with, uh, with, with comics, I mean, and there's a little bit of Jerry to blame for this, is, um, is yeah. Yeah, he's taking like, the blame for this. Yeah, and, and you know what? He's right. Um, <laughs> because it, it was a big turning point was Gwen Stacy being killed. Because it was like, whoa, that's really impactful. Wow, Spider-Man's never going to be the same again. This was an event. I'm glad I bought this. Man alive, what's next? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, kill someone else? Like, what's, what are you going to do? Yeah, you really, you, you can't think about comics as like a movie. Yeah. You know, where you have like a climactic sequence because there can never be a climactic sequence. It always has to carry on as a soap opera. So, you know, like... You can't. And they killed their dad. They killed their dad, mm. like uh, you know, like a two years earlier or something. And that yeah. was really like, oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, and then like they kill her, and you kind of go, hmm. Like, <laughs> you, you, like all right. And then this you family's got a lot of bad luck. Yeah, and eventually you end up, you know, you got you kill Harry Osborn. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, is Flash Gordon, uh, Flash Thompson, dead? Yeah, maybe. Okay. How many times <laughs> have you killed Aunt May? Uh, twice. Okay, oh, boy. what the hell? Who cares? Yeah, and you know, and 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 Green Goblin's back because he was a good villain, uh, but the good people don't come back, but only Green Goblin. You know, it's just like <laughs> okay, it's fine, it's fine. But it, it 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 was the starting of the darkening and the and the uh, you know the event uh, in the in the comics thing. Like before then, the soap opera would go, but it would kind of fold back in on itself. Not too much would change. It was the illusion of change, as Stanley called it. Uh, but then I was like, this is change. I was like, all right. And then and then shortly after that, you had in Hulk this character Wolverine showing up. And he was a guy who would kill. Oh, he'd kill. I was like, oh, that's something. How about we have another character who'll kill? Like, we have Punisher. How about he really starts killing people? Oh, who's doing that? Uh, Jerry Conway. All right, Jerry, good to see you again. Uh, so <laughs> Punisher's killing people. And Wolverine's killing people. Who we need more people to kill people? And it just everyone's killing people. <laughs> and it just becomes nothing. It just, it just, you can't go back from it. It just becomes this yeah, yeah. thing. No, like, you're right. And I mean, I think that's why I, I like reading. And of course, you know, I choose to read, uh, Bel- you know, Franco-Belgian comics. But what's appealing to me about those comics is that their market is for kids. You know, and you're reading something that was written by adults for kids. So it has a certain sly maturity to it, but it also has a fun, you know, kind of antic energy that is, you know, and colorful stories and everything that makes it you know uh but also the you know the fact that you know if you want to you know most of them you know were in in their lives their lives were terrible you know they're all killing themselves trying to put out these these books uh you know doing their weekly pages and trying to get you know all their art you know get their stories together and all the rest of that stuff you know they're all i mean they're having fun but they're also you know it's also a lot of trouble it seems and but you know, that never shows up in the stories. That's not, you know, that they, they don't suddenly get, you know, they don't suddenly takes a dark turn and suddenly, you know, you know, Pierre Louis gets killed, you know, and, and, uh, you know, Peo's like, finally, I'm free of this, you know, like that's just, yeah, it's just, uh, I guess to me, he's trying to solve a problem. Yeah. That doesn't exist for real. For real. <laughs> it doesn't exist. You, so like, you think the comic book publishers are healthy and, and, and like doing well right now? Or what, who are we talking about? Oh, I don't know. I assume he's talking DC, Marvel. I mean, that, who else? Okay, now what, but no again, one else cares about anything else. Again, what does that mean? Like, yeah. it's like, how's Marvel doing? Yeah. Marvel? Oh, they're 
They're owned by Disney. They're they have infinite money. <laughs> they're fine. Yeah. Oh, okay. How's DC doing? DC? You mean the Warner Brothers company? They've got infinite money. But that doesn't. They're fine. What are they, you talking about? Oh, but what about this sub department? They don't sub, really sub, have department of DC. They don't really oh. have like infinite money, though, right? I mean, like why not? Well, any company that's losing money, yeah, in some division, it's just going to shut it down. Like, they don't why? go. Not if it's developing content that they can listen. If they create a character, yeah. Like, I mean, look. You get a character like, I don't know, Firestorm. That was created by Jerry Conway. There, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Okay, so but when was Firestorm. it created? Like the 1970s, right? Yeah, okay. But that that comic never really sold great. Yeah. Like it never really sold great. So that's the thing. And this is, this is a losing money. It got canceled. I think it's been canceled at least three times. Yeah. He like showed up on uh, Super Friends for a little bit maybe. Yeah. And then you know, no one cares about this guy. <laughs> but then he was like on a season of Legends of Tomorrow. And that's where you make your money. So, so listen, you, 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 you created this character. You mm-hmm. now own this character. Yeah. You can now take this character and put it into a TV series. Yeah. But there that, you go. And then you've made your money. This I guess, character is now worthwhile. But that character, it's not comic. So is it? You're talking about a TV show now. So. No, but it's D, the DC is the whole thing. It's like, I know, I know, but he, Jerry Conway's goal is to do TV and movies. Cause it is because that's what makes them money. Yeah. Their goal isn't to be like the most successful comics company. Mm. That would be swell, but that's not, that's going to make them nickels, nickels. Okay. They want to make money and survive in this, in this, yeah. in this economy. Uh, what the comic company does yeah. is it creates content yeah. for the things that make money. So you can you can eat it as a loss and go like, man, the comics aren't doing that great. Mm. But what's that character? Blue Devil. Huh, that's interesting. Uh, can we do a TV show? show? Can we do a TV show about Star Girl? Let's go with that. Uh, yeah, I guess. But her comic never sold. Well, who gives a shit? It's on the second season now, and that's what's making you money on the CW. Yeah. And it's made money. So if you're DC, it's stupid of you to not keep making comics that could like create content yeah. to make it for the thing. So DC is not suffering because the sub, 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 sub division of DC is doing it. Now who's suffering possibly yeah. is the brick and mortar comic stores, Yeah, but they've become nostalgia hut. And the problem with nostalgia hut is, yeah, you got to keep getting more specific and more specific and more specific. If you're, you know, the record store that just caters to the people who like a certain very specific thing, yeah, you're going to be in some fucking trouble. And when people start like being eh to that, well, you put all your eggs in that basket. Now you're screwed. Yeah, you're right. That was a mistake. Whoops. That's the direct market. Whoops. You made a, you made a fucking error. It's too bad. I, and I, and I, but are they kind of, aren't they kind of stuck? They, they, there's no other option for them to get comic books, but through the direct market, is there? No, of course there is. There's, yeah. Look, here's the thing. When, like for, um, for comic book stores to get them? Yes, for comic book can, stores to get, how can they get How can they get comics then? Yeah, well, let me tell you, Dave. This, I'm really glad that you asked me this yeah. question. Yeah. Um, when, I, when, when Sparks came out, yeah. uh, I went to my local comic store, which is Golden Age Collectibles, yeah. because they had done uh, us, uh, like a, they had me sign stuff with yeah. the first book and were very supportive. Yeah. So I went to them because the book had come out that yeah. week. And, and I, and I said to them, uh, Hey, uh, so do, do you, they asked me like, can, would you like to sign some books? I went, I do. And then they looked for them and they didn't have them. And what happened was, uh, diamond had like, uh, moved it to, uh, October where, uh, sparks is coming out in comic stores. It was like, well, this is ridiculous. And he thought the owner thought this as well, because now if people want sparks, they'll have bought it. Yeah. Yeah. And so like how many comics is, is he going to order? That's one problem. He had. 
Yeah. Second problem he had was if he hadn't noticed this, he would have thought he still had it. There was nothing. There was nothing that was sent to him going. This is changing. Yeah. They yeah. just didn't send it and then altered altered it. So you know, Diamond being you know the monopoly in comic stories, you would think for for most things comics. Blah blah blah. So I talked to Scholastic about this and went like, Yeah, they're steamed about this. Is there anything we can do? And he went, Yeah, any comic shop can do this. They contact us directly. And Scholastic will work out a deal with you, yeah. and we'll give you a really good rate, and we'll and we'll ship you these uh, the books. Sure. And, and yeah, they'll they'll do well. A lot of comic stores only want to deal with one system. I can understand that, but because so many Scholastic books are selling so incredibly well, yeah. Hey, <laughs> make a deal with Scholastic. Order those books. Put them in your shop. This is the books that people are. The, these are the best-selling books anyway. Why oh wait, you so are you saying these? those books aimed at middle-grade readers are the best-sellers? Interesting. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, I just I I feel. I mean, I understand what you're saying. That works for Scholastic, but for these direct market stores who whose yeah. bread and butter forever has been uh, Marvel and DC, they're still stuck or or image feels, or whatever. They're still oh, stuck in that system, like, right? The boobs, I'm sorry, I'm going to call these people boobs. Yeah. The boobs who, uh, you know, when they were told how well manga was selling, yeah. went, I don't get it, because they were <laughs> hobbyists yeah. that wanted people to come to the store so they could talk about their hobby to them. If they're not business people, they're yeah. hobbyists. Yeah. And they want to have a social circle where they can discuss the things they discuss. Yeah. Not ignoring the fact that manga sells like fucking crazy and brings in a new market. Yeah. And to the point where even comic stores that didn't get it brought it in. And if you walk into Golden Age, the first thing you see on your left after you see action figures is you <laughs> and, and Funko Pops is you see a wall of manga. Yeah. And there's a reason you see that the first thing you come in because that shit makes money. Huh. The other thing that makes money are, are these books like, you know, the, the Raina Tegelmeyer books. They make fucking money. Yeah. So, you know, hey, comic store, do you want to sell the comics that make money now? No, I'd rather sell the books that I like as a hobby. Well, then it's going to dry up at some point, and that's your own fucking fault. Yeah. That's your own fucking fault. And if you don't want to... But surely you're not saying they should stop carrying Marvel in DC. That should not be the books that make them a profit if those are the books that do not make them a profit. Huh. You know? Yeah. You You can sell your hobby books... You can sell your obscure titles. Yeah. You know, you can sell whatever, you know, things you want. But if you want something that's going to pay your rent, Mm -hmm. what's selling right now? Manga is selling. Yeah. And these books are selling. Sure. You want to have those books, which are comic books in your store? If not, well, then you're not a business person. (laughs) You're a hobbyist. And now you'll be taking your hobby home. Yeah. So come, bringing it back around to Jerry Conway, which because I, I don't think he's really talking about brick and mortar stores. That's not really what his. What, you, what is he talking about? With uh, are you talking about the, the the companies themselves as like publishing entities, places for? I mean, I guess they just laid off a bunch of people from from these companies, right? DC did. I'm not sure if Marvel did. Okay. I don't think so, but DC definitely did. So, I mean, I guess he's looking at it from the point of view of these are dying enterprises. I mean, pretty soon they'll just be like kind of skeleton crews, sort of. Uh, you know, kind of uh, stirring the boiling pot that's keeping the the CW working or whatever, but but not really a creative enterprise anymore. Just sort of like a holding 
you know, like a copyright holding thing where they have to, they just publish stuff, like kind of like, they'll be doing like the equivalent of making the Roger Corman Fantastic Four every year so that, that all these companies can keep their, their copyrights. Well, they're just catering. He's right that they're catering to the hobbyists, as I'm saying. Yeah. Like, so, so you're getting more and more extreme mm-hmm. versions of stories that it, that you know are are just full, like it's another crisis. Yeah, we're doing it again. But it like, is... what's happening? It's like we're doing Watchmen again. How about before Watchmen? How about after Watchmen? How about Watchmen fights? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, look, man, you're not going to make a book this better than Watchmen. No, no. Know? So it's it's almost going to be diminishing returns. You've got to you got to fucking tap into whatever the hell is new. Mm-hmm. And to, to some like you can. You know, kids do want to read about Miles Morales. What do you got? Kids do want to read about Ms. Marvel. What do you got? Those books sell fine. What do you got? More of that. Mm-hmm. You know, but they want to cater to you know extreme, extreme, extreme. Kill, well, that, kill, kill. But that's what he, yeah, that's what he says in the in the article, right? Is that yeah. the you know they they've they have the companies have decided that their audience is this group of you know comics fandom and collectors. And so we get this kind of variance and all the, and, and the, these kind of like series with, you know, uh, you know, all the, the whole, the whole way the comics work. And it has been like that way since I started reading comics in the eighties. Right. It I mean, doesn't feel, it doesn't feel out. much different now where we, then, then we had variant covers and the yeah. hologram covers and all that kind of stuff for collectors. And yeah, I don't read, I really rarely go to the comic store anymore. There's just, it's not good value to me anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, and it's a drag. Yeah. You know, and there's another side of things where it's just like, again, it doesn't feel healthy to go into that crowded environment right now. So I'm not big on doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, he mentions Harry Potter and Harry Potter is an interesting example uh, of, uh, of like something like if you read a Harry Potter book and you're a kid, yeah. you get something different out of it. If you read a Harry Potter book and you're an adult, you know, you, you, you're, you're, you're implanting some sort of nostalgia on things. You're reading things in a different way, yeah. but everyone can enjoy it. Yeah. And, you know, you can dismiss yeah. it. Sure. But you know, but I'm just picturing like a bookstore going like my bookstore is not doing great. Oh, do you got the new Harry Potter book? I don't sell that shit. <laughs> like, well, okay. Okay. Dumb, dumb. That's not so good. Yeah. I just sell yeah, first yeah. editions. But of I mean, but he, like I say, he's not bemoaning the, the, the plight of the rec, the comic book stores or the bookstores. Because yeah, you're right. I mean, that's a totally different thing. Those those companies have all kinds of ver- all kinds of different op- options besides the big two now to as a way to as a way to to make money, like as you say, manga or, or scholastic books, which sell very well. But I just think it's it brings comes back around to the the fact that he's I had you know I haven't read the entire article. I just I because I saw it as a as a, t- a Twitter thread. Sure. I kind, of, I kind of read through a, a bit of it, and it just seemed to me that he, you know he felt like comics should kind of return to the the idea of being of aiming towards and i think you can you can do this in a sophisticated way or you can do this in a dumb way but aiming towards a middle grade reader and hopefully bring down the cost of these books as well make them something that's affordable for for kids if they're interested in them and you know like and i don't think that's a dumb idea when i when you look at the fact that scholastic Books is doing so well with with a line that is entirely directed towards middle grade readers. You know whether it's Dogman or Raina Telgemeier, those books are in in their vocabulary and in their in their subject matter are are entirely aimed at that age of children, and that is where they're making their huge sales because that is just an age that loves you know 
images. They love to sit and read, read and read and look at a book. And what's great for them about about graphic novels is that they're they're kind of like a they're kind of like a step between picture books and full blown you know books that don't have much in the way of pictures in them anymore. You know, and they're kind of like this between ground where they still can have the pleasure of pictures, but also read something that's more sophisticated than you'd find in a picture book. Mm-hmm. And and I think that, you know, if, if Marvel and DC or whoever, if they wanted to, you know, c- get back to the days, and I just, this is my, I mean this in a joke in a way, but get back to the days of, you know, Superman fighting a gorilla, you know, or turning into a gorilla or marrying a gorilla or, you know, <laughs> joining a band of gorillas, uh, you know, then, you know, they're, you know, whether it's a dog man or gorilla man, that will be interesting to, to kids. You know, that's, and that was, you know, who they are aiming it at. The fact that there was an ancillary market that loved the Fantastic Four that read it at university, you know, read Doctor Strange and kind of had their own take on it. You know, it's the same as, like you say, with Harry Potter, you can have, you know, kids read Harry Potter because Harry Potter, the first book anyway, is written for at a, at a middle grade level. And that's what that book is aimed at. And, uh, and I guess the idea of the series as it originally came out was that it aged with the original audience. But the, the original book is a middle grade read book. And, you know, I can read that book. You, you can read that book or a, a little kid can read that book and all of us can enjoy it. But it's still written to the level that a little kid can read it. And the, the same with the comic books of the 60s, whether it was Fantastic Four, Doctor Strange or Superman or whatever, they were written, their vocabulary was aimed at, at a particular level of reader and that was a that was a kid and the fact that those books also appealed because of their their zaniness or their their kind of far outness to old older kids you know or, t- or people in university and by the way people in university almost constantly read uh children's books because there's such an easy uh brain there's a brain rest you know like mm-hmm. I, I know like mary went through this lisa went through this and lots of other people i know went through this where in the you know in the midst of like of uh, fighting your way through university, you just find yourself drawn to to go back and read books that you enjoyed when you were younger, because it just sort of is this brain rest. You know, you're you're not being you know there's going to be no essay questions on on reading Trixie Belden or rereading Harry Potter or or whatever you loved as a kid. You know, and so and so the idea that university students are reading comics and that and that makes them grown up. I think that's that's kind of I don't know if that's a great argument, but it doesn't really matter because you bring what you want to something. But I still think those books were aimed to a market that was younger than university students, if you know what I mean. Could be. In yeah. terms of in terms of like the vocabulary, you know, those books aren't really complicated. They're just, you know, but they're they are they have the patina, they have the feeling of being grown up as well, right? So when you read them as a kid, they're interesting not only because they're exciting and they're and they're interesting because there's weird things happening in them but there's also that feeling of oh this is a little grown up this is kind of interesting yeah that, when this... stanley talked to you in the soapbox mm-hmm. he wasn't talking to you like a kid that's right he's treating you like like him he's treating you like an equal and you know yeah. what kid hey, doesn't... Heroes, prejudice is a real bad scene <laughs> like, all right lay it on me stan well when you put it like that it does feel a little condescending but uh <laughs> it's uh it you know i'm sure maybe the time when you know far out and stuff like that seem more seem less I don't know, anyway, uh, I think he was he was trying to be sincere. I'm sure he was yeah. trying to be sincere, and I think that's. I mean, you know, as a person who only speaks to kids as as people and never as children, and only in a British accent, <laughs> and only in a British accent, I know that children love to be treated like a human being and not as yeah. just, uh, not as a kid. 
And so that is so important that, you know, uh, that someone would do that. And it's really brilliant. And I don't even think it was canny marketing. I think it was just his personality coming out in, yeah. a, in a really appealing way in the comics, you know. But I still, I'm, I'm still going to, I, I still kind of find something very appealing in what, what Jerry Conway had to say. And yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a reason that I love, you know, when, when I would buy Archie, Archie's digest for the girls, you know, double digest or whatever. Um, I would go through it and I would just look for the old stories and I would read those old stories mm-hmm. and just kind of ignore the newer ones because they're just not as appealing to me because they don't have, they don't, they feel like they're just written from a different, uh, approach to me. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I want, and I like the older ones where it was, you know, obviously, obviously in most cases, just some, some guy who is probably smoking a pipe, just banging out this stuff. And, uh, you know, so he get home and, and, and have a vodka martini with his wife. But, you know, when he was doing it, he was doing it to the best of his ability because that was his bread and butter. But, you know, there's just something to me that's very appealing about that, you know. <laughs> and there's, and there's something that's, uh, weird to me about, like, yeah, the seventies comics where the, the fanboy readers came, you know, stopped being readers and became creators. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I do, I, I feel like there's a, t- a tonal shift. And I talked to you before about reading, that one of those essential Spider-Man uh, collections uh, with and it was Steve Ditko um, up to no I guess it wasn't Steve Ditko it, it was John Romita but it was Stanley writing it still sure and, and then uh, Roy Thomas took over and right away there's a tonal change to the stories and the stories become much more backwards looking yeah he's a fan yeah that's right and so suddenly there's all these characters who are coming back so rather than new characters and this feeling of oh here's another crazy villain you know that spider-man has to deal with or another situation now it's kind of like remember the condor he's back again it's, well you know like and then it became as you said jerry conway and then he was like gotta make this mature Cause, yeah because also around that time stanley had done a story uh that wasn't uh didn't get the comics code which was about drugs and okay. again it's, it's your corny story of like i can fly man <laughs> even without but, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh they couldn't do it under the comics code he went yeah. heck with it Took the label off, uh, took the comics code off. Mm-hmm. Scandal. Yeah. Uh, no one cared. It's like, oh, we can do more <laughs> mature, darker stuff. Yeah. And I think that's what Jerry Conway was doing with mm-hmm. killing off mm-hmm. Gwen Stacy. We're gonna, all right, we're grown ups now. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I guess so. I guess and I mean, it's a weird thing, right? Like, I mean, yeah, we're grown ups, but we're writing about superheroes where the essential, you know, the kind of essential characteristic of these characters, you know, these people is that they fight each other you know so it's a weird thing like this idea of that oh we're adults now let's have a fist fight yeah but the okay let me give you a modern example of where i i I love something like uh buffy the vampire slayer which you used to watch with your with your with your kids sure uh, and you were fine with with that she always fights a she always does it's a very she's a vampire slayer of course right so much like uh batman he will always beat up a mugger yeah or going on to whatever he's going to do yeah but then you know, so she would fight a vampire and sure. fight silly monsters. Yeah, there was a talking shark at one point. You know, um, <laughs> yes, a gangster. Yeah, as a gangster, but then it was also like dealing with you know uh, the emotions felt. That right. felt like uh, they, they felt like that was just the only costume they had for that episode. It very well could be, <laughs> um, but yeah, the emotions felt real, and so that felt true. Sure. And that felt good. but sure. it was silly. It was silly as heck. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. For anyone, like I know, there's times we talked about like. Dave would let his kids watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and it had all the stuff and the sex and the whatever. But yeah, it was still 
but I mean, it, it, that's right. And, no, and also, blah, blah, blah. and also, I was letting my, I was letting my, you know, I guess nine and twelve year old daughter. I maybe they're younger than that. Maybe maybe ten and seven year old daughter wa- watch a show that was aimed above them. It's true, but it wasn't aimed at adults. That show was for teenagers to watch. Sure. That show was entirely a soap opera for teenagers, and the fact that I enjoyed it was because I enjoyed the the humor of it. I found, I personally, I found the more kind of teen romance element of it's very tiresome, and there's a lot of seasons that are, a lot of parts of the seasons that if I rewatch the show for the heck of it, I would like fast forward through like almost all of the Riley stuff, you know. Yeah. Just because, but, but it wasn't. That's not aimed at me. That's aimed at at young girls and young boys to to uh, you know teenage boys as a way to to um kind of echo echo their how they're feeling and you know create this kind of situation where that that's their interest that's what they want they want a girlfriend they want a boyfriend they want they want the situation they you know this is you know so you know i i'm already married i have two kids i don't i don't want a girlfriend or a boyfriend i just want to watch a goofy show so all that stuff's very tiresome but you know i can see it's still aimed at that group the the show never really you know it does go into serious places obviously there's and I think that's very brave. But let's let's be honest. Mister Rogers talked about those things too. I mean, he had a, he had shows that talked about death. He talked about death not. in a very serious and very true way. But just back yeah. to Buffy for a second. Buffy to me yeah. was showed. Okay, you don't get again. I know Joss Whedon directed the Avengers, but like you don't get <laughs> you don't get the Marvel uh, movies without Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh-huh. You don't get them because because he was able to put the mature quote-unquote mature things yeah. into it but at the core it was still about a superhero mm-hmm. who was fighting supervillains yeah. who was doing the best that they could and trying to do the right thing because it was the right thing yeah and then if you had they did a nice little parallels like where you had faith come in and she accidentally kills somebody well yeah. now in a modern superhero thing oh you killed somebody who cares who cares it's just like you know that's a mistake you know mistake th- things happen Whatever, but it was like it's huge. Mm-hmm. You don't kill. Yeah. You, you protect. Yeah. You do, it's all the superhero things. Is like no, the, you you treat the superhero tropes seriously, and then you also add to it the emotions that are true. And and there you go. And and so many of the DC movies just can't seem to, and other superhero movies obviously can't seem to get that balance. But like the Marvel movies, I think why they have been successful mm-hmm. is that there is that sincerity to them. And and they're even though you have a character like Tony Stark who's cynical, they they buy the idea of superheroes as something that can work. You know that 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 he actually does try to get better and try to tries to do the right thing. Whereas a Batman movie like a Christopher Nolan Batman movie, ah, oh, it's a pain in the ass being Batman. Oh, my knee hurts. I really want to quit. Well, I guess I'm, <laughs> I guess I'm forced to defend the city. There, I did it. But you know what? I'm gonna live in Paris now with a cat lady. It's fun. Hey, Alfred, what up? Good to see you. It's like, all right, you don't get what superheroes are about. And if you don't get it, you don't get it, and that's fine. It's tough to explain. But, like, Joss Whedon got it. And so he was able to then translate it to uh, these these Marvel things. And I think that's a problem with the – just going to what Jerry Conway's saying is the big problem with the comics is they don't get that. They're obsessed with details. They're obsessed with minutia. Yeah. They're obsessed with trivia. They're obsessed with shock. And they, <laughs> they miss they miss out. What did you like about comics as a kid? Yeah. What did you like about it? Yeah. I was like, uh, I like this. Okay, is that in it? No. Yeah, that's the problem. You missed the heart of it. You missed it. 
that's the thing, and that's why the other comics, uh, you know, the Scholastic stuff is doing is doing well because like it's got heart. It's true. It feels right. You know, it's 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 a tough thing to explain, but it's well, like, even if it doesn't have heart, it it has a sense of fun as well. I mean, I, I'm I've not read too much Captain Underpants, but. You know, it's more of a goofy thing than it is like a heart thing, and that but that's fun for kids too. Like kids, kids like to want to, you know, they like to yuck it up. You know, that's what made yeah. that's what made us like Richie Rich or Archie and stuff when we were kids was that you know we wanted to yuck it up. Didn't matter to us. I mean, there's no, you know, there's very few uh, Archie comics where you know he's you know he's sad and he's walking on the street and he's you know we have to figure out his, you know his problems and what's what's going on in his life. Like, that's not what that those books are about. You know, no, Archie now is pushing. It's like Went through it. Well, maybe it's not as much now, but for for the recent past, it was like, okay, you think you know Archie? We're gonna really, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna push this shit. We're gonna have Miss Grundy die of cancer. Yeah. We're gonna have. Is that America. fun though? Is that fun? You know what? The thing is, I can tell, I can tell they're trying to tell a different story yeah. sincerely, and yeah. I get that they're trying to do it. Yeah. Um, it's it's like uh, then they even even have him like fighting Predator. And like Sabrina's getting like her spine ripped out. I'm like, what the hell is this? But I can tell that they're sincerely trying something here. <laughs> they're sincerely trying to shop. Yeah. Why are they why are they meeting the Ramones? What kid is, <laughs> cares about but I know it's sincere and it, it kind of works and it's like, okay, I can I'll I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, Sabrina, it's just like some weird satanic, horrific stuff and like is this what you all right I, you're going for it fine i guess it's fine <laughs> you know? i don't know i, I mean it, it woke things up and it got archie comics selling really well for a while so there was there was definitely something there where I guess, they you i know, guess that's them, good yeah i guess that's good and you know it didn't take away from the old archie stuff because they had enough of that still going around at the same time oh oh gee. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it feels like it feels like he's he's saying Marvel should be aiming their stuff to the Scholastic market, but yeah, like yeah. Scholastic is already aiming their stuff at the Scholastic market. You could, well, I but mean, it feels- but I I think that there's you know there's nothing wrong with competition within a marketplace. So you no, can- no, but if you're if you're the follower, yeah, you're never going to do as well. Then you're always going to be the follower, and it feels like if you're yeah. Marvel, but he's, you want to but the- be the Follow. But he's not saying be a follower with with what Scholastic's doing. He's saying tone down and make fun again the 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 stories that we want we loved as kids. Sure, I'll, you know I'll what made that. us make what made us love somehow. yeah what made us love Superman what made us love Batman what made us fans of these things that we wanted to we loved them so much we wanted to be creator be you know work in the industry mm-hmm. you know and 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 let's let's try and find that core again let's try and find that that fun. That's you know that sense of excitement, that sense of of discovery, and you know, and you can still you know I you know you you and I can we can happily read uh, comic books from that time period and and they feel oh you know what Alex Toth there's another great artist that's from that time period that I didn't think about until just now sure. uh, from the fifties what a, that was a real golden age by the way that's the true golden age of comics because <laughs> if you look at the art of the actual, the so called golden age. Mm-hmm. Besides, like a few people like Eisner and Lou Fine, who uh, Lou Fine was great uh, as a cover artist, but he was pretty he was pretty like so so as like an interior artist, just because of you know the he had to work fast and so the work the work drops in quality. But you know, like it's, when you get to the fifties, that's when you get like the real 
great art, I think, of of comics. That's like sure. that's like the that's the true golden age. But anyway, but enough of that. Um, I think that, I think the true golden age is whatever age you grew up in. I didn't grow up in, that, but I didn't grow up in the fifties. So well, it's you read it. You read it like when you were a kid, though, right? Like that's the stuff that like the, 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 yeah. It's it's not like you were saturated yeah. with it, but like you read it at a time that it had the impact for you. I don't know. I didn't really read that co- the comics at that time. Before. All right then. Then I, then I then I take back what I said. Did you read fifties comics when you were? Like yeah, because um, because I would get these um, British collections. Oh, okay. Uh, that my that my, my uh, grandparents would bring back from England. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and honestly, it was really only the art because uh, they would translate them, as I've told you before, from American to British. Ah. And uh, and so I would read uh, like the uh, Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, uh, Ra's Al Ghul stories. Yeah. But they'd also have nineteen um, fifty. Like I remember one story that I loved. Uh, as a kid, yeah. which was it was a Wayne Boring Superman, so ninety uh, percent chest. And <laughs> great, great style, though. Yeah, it was uh, the little girl who didn't believe in Superman. Okay. Have you ever heard of this? Story? No, it sounds fun though. It was a story. And it was a little girl, and she was blind, and uh, and so uh, you know they were like, you know, we're gonna do something special for this little girl. We're gonna have her meet Superman. Yeah. Then like something Superman does. So Superman like uh, lands in front of her and just goes, "Hi, I'm Superman. You're not Superman. There's no such thing." It's like, well, did you hear me land? Yeah, but that was just the wind. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to take you up flying now. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's a breeze. It's like, listen, you're not Superman. You can't do this. Like, okay, well, wait a second. Um, what's your favorite uh, toy? It's like, well, there's this metal dog I like playing with. Ah, very good. So it's this metal dog that she like playing with, and he just stretched the dog out. It's like, now it's a dachshund. Hold it and hands it to her, and she burns her hands. <laughs> it was hot from him stretching it. Yeah. Like, oh, he was making a mistake there. And nothing nothing he could do could prove to her that he was Superman. Yeah, she was yeah. And in the end, you know, he does he does find a way, and he's able to, like, do – he's able – to do surgery on her, he does surgery <laughs> and uh, wow. and, uh, and and cures her blindness, and yeah, she's yeah. just so happy. Huh. But it was a, it was a great story. It was just beautifully, beautifully drawn. What a weird! It's like the Douglas Sirk uh, movie. What's that one called? The well, I can't remember. I'm not sure. Doesn't matter. Uh, Doesn't matter. Uh, I'm gonna try and find you that story because I'm sure that's online. Mm-hmm. Superman. Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, pretty pretty cool. But yeah, they had all. It was all old fifties. And 60s mm. uh, stories. Yeah. Uh, so, and there was a lot of Superman and Batman trying to trick Lois Lane into thinking that she was going to get married. Yeah, yeah. They were just assholes. Yeah, see, what, assholes. when I was reading comics... Up with Robin at the end, is like, hey, fellas, I'm scoring with Lane tonight. Oh, Robin's getting some tails. Like, this is awful. Yeah. I didn't, uh, yeah, I didn't read... Uh... I didn't read superhero comics, obviously. So, so my, my experience was a little different. But it seems to me like reading Richie Rich or Archie, which is like the majority of what I read in terms of comics as a kid, not excluding Mad Magazine. Um, uh, those those uh, stories were like contemporary. You know, like Archie mm-hmm. and the k- kids were all wearing like bell bottom pants and had sideburns and stuff like that. And then Richie Rich. I mean, there might have been some older stories, but they were integrated into like the style of the books anyway. So you couldn't tell when anything was ever done. You know, unless someone's driving a car, but everything looked all the same. I don't. It, it seemed like it seemed like those books they were still putting out new stories. So they just they did. You know, the past was the past, and now we now everyone drives this kind of car. So yeah, it just felt those books felt contemporary, but but still, you know, still whatever they were, just kind of goofy fun. You know, or or 
or or daydream fodder in the case of Richie Rich, I guess. But yeah. I wish I, I could uh, have a girlfriend like Gloria. <laughs> wish I could date uh, uh, whatever Pee Wee and uh, people wouldn't care. Um, <laughs> no, I was just looking right now at like the New York Times bestseller list for graphic novels. Yeah, and uh, there's not a there's no there's no superheroes on here at all. Well, there is if you count Umbrella Academy. Which is, which uh, is a TV show, so I could see what I can see why it's uh, in there. Yeah, two. I mean, there's two Umbrella Academies in the in the five and six spot. Here's how it goes down: It's the new kid, which is uh, a story about a seventh grader who's having a hard time in Washington Heights. That's the number one graphic novel right now. Middle grade book. Yeah, but that's the that's like the that's number one. Yeah. And this can and, and listen the thing to me again, and we've discussed this before. To me, when you're talking about this, it's like. These kids are all going to grow up, and they're gonna they're gonna want more of the same, but a little bit more mature, probably. Yeah. And with some nostalgia, they're right. Some nostalgia. Uh, so yeah, they're gonna. I think they're gonna keep buying comic books. I don't think comic books are in any danger. And then there's also them being saturated right now with these Marvel and DC, you know, uh, things and Umbrella Academy and all this stuff. And so like they get it. They get what a superhero is. Like you're not throwing any of them them off by going like I oh, got bit by a spider and he's got powers and what like they get it they get it so if you can make a good comic book yeah you know when their teenagers are older they're gonna they're gonna be on board I think you know they, they they like that stuff and they like this stuff it's weird that you're gonna have to put those two things together again we're gonna have to put superheroes and comics together again that's a weird thing but you know maybe so yeah new kid then it goes guts so again a story uh, about you know uh, dealing with uh, dealing with stress. That's the number two book. The number one book is ah, it's tough to get uh, dealing with private school in seventh grade. Number two is like I've got stress and my stomach hurts. Those are the two graphic novels that are number one. Yeah, yeah. It's not Dark Knight anything. <laughs> it's not the Watchman watches you. Yeah. It's that. Then it's uh, Babysitter's Little Sister, uh, Karen's Roller Skates because the Babysitter's Club's books are so popular. Yeah. Next is uh, March, the John Lewis book. Okay. Which totally makes sense. And that's, yeah. you know, that's a book for all ages. Sure. Then we're getting into uh, My Hero uh, Academia, which is, I guess, kind of a manga type thing, I suppose. Then Persepolis, uh, which is, again, a, a more adult book. We got another Umbrella Academy. Uh, we got, uh, yeah, and it's, it all kind of goes along those lines. It's, yeah. you know, youth and then uh, historical. And yeah, it seems like a pretty good mix. Of, and then there's just a straight got comedy book called Stranger Planet uh, that's just kind of uh, talking about diff- it's a humorous look at traditions, nature, emotions, and knowledge. Yeah, it's like these are the books that are selling. So do you want to sell these books? If you don't, yeah, well, that's uh, that's your that's your deal. Hmm. Yeah. Well, the most important thing is mm-hmm. uh, we filled the entire show talking about this. <laughs> Okay. Grist for the mill. <laughs> it is a, it is an interesting topic to me for for sure. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I get, I used to walk into com, the comic book shop, uh, the comic shop, yeah. in Vancouver, and I always thought like these guys know what they're doing. Yeah, these guys know what they're doing. First thing when I walk in, there's some pop culture stuff to my right. There's something pop culturey, and then as you get to the lower shelves, there's stuff that's for kids. So the kids walk in, boom, they go right to it. Yeah, someone walks in. They have something that they understand. They get it. They immediately get, oh, I like this. 
So you feel comfortable. Like if you walk into a store and the first thing you see is weird, twisted, you know, uh, you know, action figures grimacing and doing, and you don't know who any of them are. It's like this uh, place isn't for me. It's not at all for me. Uh, so there would be the very comforting things and familiar things when you start as you walk in through that, and then you move on to kind of like as you say like the scholastic type books. Okay, there you go. And you can go upstairs to the superhero comics if you want, or you can go downstairs in the basement to the D&D type stuff over there. And then there's things off to your left that are really kind of good gifts. Uh, yeah, it was just like, this is how you lay out a comic store. Yeah. It's accessible. Yeah. You feel comfortable. And and usually there was a, a, you know, a person who was there by the door just saying a hello to you as you come in. And... And you wouldn't have to like search out somebody and feel awkward if you wanted to mm. find something. And they're not saying hello, like hello, can I help you? They're saying hello, like hey, yeah, thanks for coming in. Yeah, look around if you need anything. I'm here. Well, yeah. the fact that they're in a very, which, which seems to me a very high rent location, and 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 have been there since I would been going since I was a kid going into Vancouver. Or we're not. I was talking about the comic shop. Oh, the comic shop. Yeah, Golden oh, Age is a different store. Yeah, Golden yeah. Age has a different, uh, has, has a less effective um, uh, layout. Walks oh. in, they actually do have all the action figures there. Oh, okay. Some of which are confusing. Yeah, yeah. But their window display has a lot of pop culture stuff that's familiar. Yeah. And when you walk yeah. in, there, as I said, there's mangas, the first thing that you see. Mm. Then as you walk a little uh, farther, then it's more mainstream graphic novels, and it gets more obscure as you, <laughs> as you go along. But it does wrap up with, a lot of kids graphic novels so hmm. that's good they're all hmm. in a nice big patch there and the kids graphic novels are right next to all the kids comics so if you're a parent and you're like oh, i don't want to buy them fuck it and what 30 dollar graphic novel what's that how much is that comic four dollars yeah okay four dollars <laughs> you don't get the four dollar comic that all of a sudden this comic now looks like it doesn't cost nothing yeah that's great yeah. and then you get more and more obscure as you uh, go deeper and deeper into the uh, into the world, and then you meet the uh, I don't want to say the troll, but you meet the guy in the back, who's like, <laughs> and he'll help you with your more obscure things, and maybe you shouldn't wake him up. <laughs> you know, I didn't maybe, know. You know, I didn't know the comic, comic shop was still around. No, the comic shop isn't around. Oh, I was okay. saying that the comic shop had the oh, okay. best, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, yes, the layout, the, of the original comic, book. okay, the one on West Forth, the original comic book shop, yeah, yeah, yes. Yes, that was a very good layout. Yes, yes, you are correct. Thank you. You're saying I'm correct a lot. I like that in this episode. <laughs> you know what? I can say I can disagree with you and still say you're correct. That's, yeah. I was I was I'm, putting I'm up. Not um, faced. I was I, I put up uh, on Facebook uh, one of the old Asterix um, uh, comic strips. Yes, I saw that. You said you said bring back the syndicated strip, and I was like, I I was thinking to myself, does Ian realize those were just taken from the books? But anyway, yeah, I know, but I, <laughs> but they were a great intro to people. Like they were rewritten, obviously. Yeah. Um, uh, to a point where they sucked a lot of the jokes out. Yeah, less um, Latin, that's for sure. There you there you go. By the way, I didn't realize Getafix changed his name. He's uh, now uh, Panoramics. Yes. Yes. Well, I understand why. <laughs> but I, I thought like that was that was such a good idea back in the day because you you basically you know with Asterix you were doing an ad for the books but you also got a really nice comic strip out of it. Mm. It's like yeah, this is great. Yeah, it's very beautiful. I, I have to admit, as a kid, I found them kind of uh, frustrating because they weren't long enough, and I was used to the books. So, and I got I got frustrated because I knew the books, 
And I was like, this isn't the books. <laughs> you took the jokes out of the books. And I'd, yeah. uh, I'd prefer, uh, and then I also put up a, a Howard the Duck because that was a very strange strip that actually had some very good Gene uh, Colon art in it. And it was written by Steve Gerber and they weren't reprints of the stories in the comics <laughs> by any means. Speaking of, were, uh, speaking of Richie Rich. Oh, did he? No, Ernie Colon did. Uh, Rich oh, Rich. oh, I'm sorry. Ernie Colon did the uh, the more adventure ones for Richie Rich. Okay, I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, Gene Colon was the uh, artist on um, Marv Wolfman's run on on Dracula. That's where you probably know him best. I from. apologize. That's okay. But the art in them was really weird and good. And uh, later on, they had a different like uh, Val something. I forget his. I forget their name, and it wasn't as uh, good. Mayor, but uh, is it Val Mayer? Yes, yeah. yes, it was. It's fine, but and the strip was still weird. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I think they were expecting. You know, I think after the movie, maybe that was uh, maybe that was the thing. I don't know. Maybe there was Howard Fever, and then there wasn't Howard Fever, and they discovered <laughs> them. But none of them, it feels like, have been reprinted anywhere. They reprinted the Spider-Man comic strip uh, a couple of times, but they haven't reprinted the Howard the Duck. And uh, when you when you do look at them, it's like, oh, this is this is. Interesting. This is hmm. an interesting thing to see on your Sunday uh, page. <laughs> I say. Yeah, that is a, that is sort of. Uh, I didn't realize it was. Uh, it seems a very very strange um, Sunday strip, but okay. It is. Yeah, it's very hap. Very hap. <laughs> so, um, did you want me to get to the the letters? Uh, I just want to. I just want to. But speaking about comic book pages, let me just give. Oh, let me please. just say one thing, which was that oh, we had we had a comic, but we had a we lost a comic strip. It was taken out of our. It was taken out off of the page which is very rare that that happens mm. it was replaced by a different one replaced by one that has like a black cast in it so now we have two different strips with the, and i guess that's you know just trying to give some balance i suppose that's sure no problem that's whatever but i was a little disappointed that uh uh olivia james nancy didn't show up in place that was that's what i was kind of hoping would appear but oh well um so what, what strip went uh, what strip went away it was called dog Doug, it was like Dog Eat Doug or Doggy Dog, some kind of name like that. It was like okay, a, right. had like a puppy. It wasn't one that I liked very much. So, I mean, I feel sorry for the artist that he lost a paper, but it was one that I was I didn't really miss it when it when it left. Um, okay. But the other interesting thing is that there was a strip called Heart of the City. I don't know if I mentioned this. Okay, all right, that sounds familiar. It was a very it was kind of a nerdy strip. It had a heart the girl heart and then she had a friend named dean who was a real a real nerd loved star wars and everything so it was a lot of star wars jokes kind of around him and stuff like that and now it was uh the artist who did it i guess he started a different strip that became popular and so he stepped down from heart of the city and he handed over the reins to an artist named steens um who's uh black Mm -hmm. and so she's taken over the strip and so she's introduced a black character into the strip so that's kind of interesting so she's she's kind of like a nerd like dean and so they've become kind of thick as thieves and hard is kind of following her own little path so it's very interesting it's her art art style is totally different than the original one like mm-hmm. radically different and uh but it, and you know her storytelling is different it's, it's, it's an interesting change uh i just thought it was i just thought it was um curious that a person would like to sort of give away give up their strip and and turn it over to someone else and walk away from it i uh, i miss comic strips i miss reading i miss reading them <laughs> you miss, yeah you miss getting the paper right yeah yeah, 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 yeah. that's my I, I just love i mean you know like it's not that much money actually to get the paper but i just love uh i love reading the comics in the morning i just that's my serial go-to is uh i i do read like i look through articles to see what interests me and so i'll read things that are interesting to me and then i'll 
I'll get to the entertainment stuff and I'll there's always a picture of a woman in a bikini, so I'll take a look at that. And then, because <laughs> we're above page three girls, aren't we, everyone? Boy, they're bad. But people who post on Instagram pictures of themselves in bikinis, we'll put them in the paper right away. So yeah, and so then I'll then we'll uh, I'll head over to the I'll read the comic strips, do the jumble, and then I will uh, read I'll read um, the car reviews if there's something interesting to me there. So yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I feel like the newspaper. I mean, I've said this before, but I feel like the newspaper is it's interesting because it's someone else curating information for you it's not an algorithm that that's designed to narrow the you know down to what you are interested in you are you david you read about you read about a cell phone you want all articles about cell phones right (laughs) no i don't but that's you know that's what happens right so whereas with the newspaper it's just kind of like you know whatever's new whatever's news but then also whatever is interesting to the the editor of the you know the living section and the you know and then whatever you know it's it's you know like you just don't know you don't know what you're gonna get you're gonna get different different things are gonna pop up that are interesting to different people and and everyone's mad at the premier of the province right now so that's interesting to read <laughs> yeah so yeah it's uh it's curious you're you're talking the you you read the province right that's your favorite? that's right that's that's right I I prefer the comic book section in the province I was a Vancouver Sun kid my my parents subscribed to the sun so we did not get a paper in the morning we had a paper in the afternoon because at that time it was an afternoon paper and it had bloom county it had dunesbury it had uh, charlie brown um i can't remember what else but those were like sort of the important ones to me when i was growing up uh nope but then province had kelvin and hobbs later on right so that was uh, you know pretty important did the the province also had bc they both had good strips in them but you know i delivered the pro i delivered the sun Lived the Vancouver Sun growing up, so I was a Sun kid. But I later, you know, like um, the the comic book page in the Va- Vancouver Sun is awful. It's awful. Oh, I mean, it's, it? it's nice that they're big, but it's bad that it's just one page, and so you don't get that much. You don't get that many comics in there, and it's just kind of like done in a in a kind of a feels like it's done by someone who's like learned how to do um, collage. That's how they lay out the paper, like mm-hmm. lay out the page for you to read. Um, whereas in the province, you get three pages of, uh, or three columns of, 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 uh, strips, which is nice. So you get quite a, quite a variety of, of, of newspaper strips. And I, I appreciate that. Cool. And, uh, you also get the jumble. That's also important. The jumble is important. Do you try and solve it, uh, like the joke before you do the thing or do you just do it uh, straight? I do it. Uh, I never write it out. I just do it in my head. Okay. So it just depends. Sometimes I have to like figure out the, the final joke and other, other times it's just kind of there laying in front of you because there's always like, a pun and it's always related to the yeah i always like uh, solving uh solving uh, uh puns yeah yeah I like, I like solving yeah so, so like some of the puns i'm uh i'm looking right now if uh if i can actually look up the daily jumble but i don't think i can it's uh published by miriam webster hmm. yeah it's in the pocket of big dictionary <laughs> Yes, yeah. there's also the Scrabble grams on on the weekend, so that's also fun. Oh, that's good. Yeah, the <laughs> Scrabbles. That's, yeah, I'm looking at what I got here. No, I can't get the I can't get the jumble. That's very upset. But I do get the I do get the Vancouver Sun on Saturdays because I don't get the province on Saturdays. So I I subscribe to the Sun for Saturday delivery. So I still have a newspaper to read in the morning, and then I also get the. Uh, Saturday New York Times crossword and then the Sunday Times crossword. Sunday okay, Times here we go. I just got it up. Okay, yep. so it's a bunch of uh, ducks. Yeah, and they're watching like, another bird, and he's uh, diving. Okay, off a platform into the water. Yeah, one duck is saying to the other, uh, "It looks like it's talking to a goose." 
Uh, he's just a natural. He uh-huh. always wins this event. Yeah. Oh, the swan and, dive, I guess. There you go. Yeah. Popular event at the Waterfell Olympics <laughs> was the swan dive. Swan dive. Okay. One more, and then we go. Then we uh, go. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So uh, uh, this is a this is a, a rich woman. She's sitting down, and the maid is going by. Mm-hmm. Maid is going by, and yeah. maid is vacuuming. Yeah. And uh, the rich woman says to the maid, and the maid's like, ugh, rolling her eyes. <laughs> they say to her, Matilda, I need my lotion. Mm. Okay. What she did to keep her hands soft, and it is uh, seven letters. What she did to keep her hands soft, seven letters. I think I've got a guess. Okay, what is it? Nothing. Oh. <laughs> That's very good. Yes, I think you're right. Yeah. Also would fit in, sorry, let me say, yeah. another one would fit into seven letters, fuck all. <laughs> it's le- less likely. Check the check the other clues and see if see if there's an F in one of the circles. F and uh, U in a circle. No, there is no F. That's right. I think it was nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing's probably it. All right, very good. Good, good right, answer. I'm going to go over to the letters now. Please you know, go to the letters, sir. So last week, we, uh, he asked us our question of the week. We're going to have to ask something comic-related this time. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Uh, do you have any plans for Halloween? Uh, school, did you like it? Did you not like it? Ugh. Um, also, what is a beloved children's book you have kept into adulthood or children's books you've made a point of passing on to your children? Now, these questions, if they're not answered this week, we burn them. No, we don't. You can still answer them anytime into the future. You can yeah. answer any of our questions anytime into the future. Yeah. And so uh, here we go. And we've gotten 15 comments. All right, that's fine. <laughs> Well, a lot of them are back and forth, but they are. And yeah. so here's the thing: uh, we were talking, uh, uh, we, we had a little discussion there, and I offhandedly mentioned that I saw Chicago probably shouldn't have won the best uh, Oscar, like the best uh, picture award. Yeah. And uh, there, there, there we go. There we go. <laughs> and uh, you made some comments as well uh, about war movies and stuff and such. And so our friend Nina responded, "I'm very sorry for not." Uh, uh, doing an exhaustive research, not uh, doing enough exhaustive research of Best Picture Oscar winners before making a quick throwaway statement while trying to make a point about how Chicago seemed like an unorthodox choice to me, along with a single example of a type of film that's won many times that I had just pulled off the top of my head without putting too much thought into it. Next time I will do a careful count to see what genre has been best known to win Best Picture before etching in stone such careless words for the Sneaky Dragon Records. Let me say this. That's good sarcasm. <laughs> well, and well, let me just respond. That's that's all I ask. Very good. Uh, and also she goes, uh, <laughs> oh, yes, and The English Patient and Casablanca <laughs> are definitely war movies. Mm-hmm. To which our friend Louise responds, yeah. I think you could subdivide war movies into combat movies yeah. where the climax of the movie is a battle or mission, e.g., for example, Saving Private Ryan, and wartime dramas where the focus is on the impact of war on people and their relationships, such as The Deer Hunter, to which Nina replies, that's a good idea. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and so good on, good on our uh, listeners and friends yes. for making peace and, uh, and, and, and coming up with solutions. That would be peace in the valley. Yeah, I just have a hard time with like a movie like The More the Merrier you know, being considered a war movie. But anyway, go on. I have nothing to say about that at all. That's uh, fine. Nina, Nina also goes on to say, okay, I haven't been great at responding to questions of the week. So, Halloween. 
If things were normal this year, I'd participate in the costume contest at Simpsons Trivia Night and then hang out at Ian's place on October 31st. She has come by uh, my and Pia's place uh, for the last couple of Halloweens, and it's always a very nice time having her. Or I'd go to California and spend it with the guy who should have been my husband by now. But with coronavirus having taken away all of these possibilities, I will probably sit at home and work on comics like I've been doing for the past several months. Insert long sigh here. Okay, so here's uh. the long sigh. <sighs> and and look, we'll uh, if you feel like coming and hanging out on Halloween, we'll make it safe and we'll figure out a way of going about doing that. Okay, we'll fi- we'll figure something out. Mm. Uh, you can you can sit outside on the porch and look in the window, Nina. You know, you could be a scary lady in the window. <laughs> and every so often, when a kid comes by, just point at them and go next, <laughs> and that'll be good. Um, Todd writes us, uh, that's a great, oh, because responding to the Marx Brothers picture uh, that was uh, sent in by uh, Ed uh, Dragansky, uh, done by his uh, children, there's a Marx Brothers picture there, um, saying, that's a great picture of the Marx Brothers, where those actual comic book pages cut up to uh, make the shield, because there's also a Captain America shield. Yes. Um, and uh, goes on to go, Peter Jackson's They Shall Not Grow Old was amazing and well worth checking out. We discussed that. Uh, whether for fansplainers or otherwise. Uh-huh. And for Halloween plans. Uh, I'll probably still be holed up at home for Halloween. But I do uh, But I do at least plan to spend October going through the complete works of Edgar Allan Poe Ooh. as the latest leg of my plague year reading marathon. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Uh, Jada Jackman writes... Your discussion about university prices and the North America ridiculous costs made me want to put some real numbers out there. So real numbers coming in, everybody. The university I used to attend in America was just around $55,000 last year. For community college, the one closest to me is $9,000, but is often less if you have a high GPA. Universities also raise their prices each year. My university had a $2,000 increase each year. So uh, once you get in, you'll get a bigger bill each year. Uh, We haven't even mentioned the cost of room and board, which is often mandatory for your first two years, which bumps the bill up to $70,000 a year. (laughs) I think the smartest thing American universities did was making their prices so ridiculously high that you can't even conceptualize it. I looked up McGill University's tuition prices. They have a nice breakdown. And for an international student, their tuition would be $49,000, not including room and board. So less than America, but not by much. Of course, within well, America. But What's that? I was just going to say, but then you're, are you taking into account the Canadian uh, exchange? So you pay less as an American because your dollar is stronger sure than our dollar. I'm not sure if we're looking on, on, on the web and being charged uh, in American or not. Of course, within America, you still get financial aid, which at least greatly, greatly reduced the price for me. But there are some issues with aid as well. So I guess this flows into the question, school? (laughs) Which is such a loaded question that I feel I could write endlessly on, but I'll refrain. Why? We wouldn't. Uh, When I was young, (laughs) I really enjoyed the uh, competition of high test scores and good marks. If there was an honors class or an AP class, I wanted to be in it. But looking back, I really overworked myself and set up horrible habits. In high school, I took the highest level class I, I could and did all of the plays, and went to dance uh, twice a week. I, I didn't know how to take a break. I could get home from play practice at 5.30, 
take a nap because my teenage body was exhausted, eat dinner, then work until I physically couldn't stay awake anymore. I would often go to bed at 11 p.m., wake up at 4 a.m. just so I could do more work before school. This, of course, is not a good idea. <laughs> Plus, I never had close connections with people since I would only see people in a structured context, play, rehearsal, dance, etc. Didn't make uh, time for regular teenage fun. So a long-winded answer is to say that 15-year-old me was very happy about school, loved to go, but now I look back and see a girl who was overworked, way too hard on herself, and didn't have any time for real connections. So there. Um, huh, Regis that's a, let's just oh, Let me just say that. Sorry to hear that, Jada. I think Jada wrote in our very... The very first time she wrote into our question and answer show, she wrote in a question kind of related to that, talking about school and how she felt like she felt kind of alienated from other students and and how she could, I think the question was something like how she could fit in or, or should she try to fit into the, you know, to the kind of general school population, I guess. Because there is that temptation, of course, when you, when you feel that you've deprived yourself of fun to maybe go the extreme in the opposite direction do you know mm, yeah where you kind of throw away everything that you've sacrificed all this you know you're you've made these great sacrifices in order to to get to some point and then you just decide to throw it all over just for the to have some fun because you realize gee i missed out on fun maybe i should just you know and that's that's not so good either i hopefully jada you'll find like a happy medium between you know being a successful student and also having a social life and 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 having you know close friends and and that's also good experiences. And by the way, university or college is a great place to make those sort of friends. So there we go. Yes. Uh, Regis writes, adulthood. Shush. Today <laughs> I bought my first agricultural model uh, since something like twenty years. A die-cast uh, nine hundred fifty-three IH combine harvester. International a harvester. Woo. Woo. A moss bat, as we call it in France, contraction for. Uh, in French, we literally say uh, what we combine. Uh, on the d daily market of Algiers, Paris, uh, there is a side flea market, and there was this model uh, with the expedition voucher from the IH uh, warehouse in Ries, Angers, a uh, place where I got one of my first summer jobs. By the way, I know that I'm mispronouncing everything. Um, <laughs> this collection is not a game. Uh, by the way, David, uh, do you know everything about David knows everything about John Deere? Nice. Let's not get carried away. Yeah. Uh, procrastination. Uh, the cat is out of the bag. Normally, any word with pro in it is cool, but really, being a pro in this domain, not so cool. Or is it? <laughs> with adulthood, it's one of the other questions getting raised by my middle age crisis. I, I think the more you do, the more it's painful. Do people with boring lives procrastinate? There's two procrastinations, doing nothing, daydreaming, watching pointless video on the internet, taking a nap, and there's the other way, starting new projects to avoid commitment to the existing ones. Aha! That's why I have a second family. <laughs> I do both, sir. He didn't say that about the second family. Though in France, I bet they'd be cool with it. Um, I do both, sir. Uh, one, on one hand, uh, impossible taking a useful nap uh, when I'm really tired because I'm losing precious time uh, doing nothing useful, resulting in not being rested and not having done anything. On the other hand, as I already have too many projects and I watch uh, Maker's YouTube videos, I've got 200 more new ideas with complicated techniques uh, to learn. 
So it takes some time to learn about them. Which tools? How much will it cost? Can I find uh, less complicated and expensive ways to get it done? Uh, many hours on Amazon and YouTube learning a lot of things but not doing anything. And when you've got uh, too many projects going on, you're getting frustrated because nothing is really getting done. Uh, you guys got a podcast done weekly and bi-weekly. And yes, you can count them. So they're real. You produce something tangible. As I said last week, you cannot argue with math. <laughs> uh, I've got the feeling that I'm doing nothing but taking some distance. I could see that, in fact, there's uh, too many things in the making, like cooking every day, shooting the dishes with a camera. <laughs> okay. I was thinking, like, just wash your dishes. There's no need to just shoot. <laughs> Goes through a lot of dishes. Yeah, but shooting the dishes with a camera for my Instagram and Facebook account. Uh, on, the, on, on Facebook, I was writing regular texts about food, food to go with the pictures. I dreamed for several years uh, to get a CNC. I'm sure David can explain what it is. David, explain what it is. A CNC is a, a machine that you can program in shapes and it will cut them for you. So you can have like a water one that will, you know, it'll, it'll sh shoot a jet of water and it'll cut out uh, shapes. You can have other ones that maybe like a, you can have ones that use a, um, a router, you know, in wood, you can use it to cut out shapes in wood and stuff like that. So yeah, they're really handy. I'd, I'd love to have a CNC machine. Oh, that sounds, actually sounds really good. Yeah. No, I won't. No, I won't too. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, like if you're doing like, say you're, you wanted to build a cabinet and you wanted really ornate, you know, f filigree work on it, you know, like in the old days, you have to get like a coping saw and you have to cut, you know, draw it out and then cut it all out really carefully and sand and everything. And now you can just like program a machine and then it just automatically, you know, does all the cutting and makes per beautiful circles and, and oh, it's, yeah, much better. Much cool. better. Well, anyway, he got it. So he needs to learn Fusion 360 and make videos for a new trilogy of social accounts about doing things on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. So he needs to uh, learn to use a video editing software, and in his case, DaVinci Resolve, and learn animation techniques and video editing and buy stuff like lighting. I had to look all professional, so I discarded 3D printing until now because the results were not as neat as I wanted. Uh, needs uh, analyzing, I think. Anti-aliasing. Uh, Anti-aliasing. There you go. That's right. So anti-aliasing, it's it smooths it out. So it's not. You know how like when you look at a computer image really close, oh, and it's got the little sorry, steps in it. You know, yeah. Anti-aliasing takes out those, uh, makes it makes it less jagged. Very good. Uh, I bought alongside the CNC uh, tools to work wood and uh, organize a desk workshop on my spare bedroom. As I, uh, I want to make uh, mix uh, Technic stuff, wood and resin, so I got a vacuum chamber uh, and repurposed one of my compressors into a depressor. Oh man, I've uh, <laughs> I've had roommates that became uh, depressors over time. <laughs> um, oh, uh, I didn't uh, tell you I tried to get cheap and uh, technological uh, way to paint. So uh, a compressed air tool, anyone? A real compressor is too expensive and bulky. Uh, why not use an aerograph? Let's see, Amazon, 40 bucks. Cool, got one. Not enough power, I get more power, 80 bucks. Uh, but for surfacing, you lack constant pressure because you got no tank. So finally get one with a tank, finally, you know, because nothing can really replace a real compressor <laughs> with a not too little tank. So finally I got one, back to square one. So many hours and euros spent. Oh, spare time and money. Uh, alongside, I got my Instagram photo account. I told you, it just goes on and on. And when I listen, for example, to one of the many Sneaky Dragon podcasts, I need to play a little game on my phone. Three, for instance. 
because otherwise my brain goes on vacation for about five minutes. You and me both, brother. <laughs> uh, if I read, I need to have music to op- occupy the part or parts, uh, which is not reading. At school, same thing. Got distracted, daydreaming. They even say they uh, caught me humming in, in class, but I want proof. I did not like it. Uh, got a lot of problems with uh, orthography and grammar. Was too slow. Got bad evaluations. Repeated several grades. It was difficult, but when I tried to get out of the educational system, I failed at it too. After uh, hardly getting my BAC, a college diploma, I think, I went, back, I went for a two-year technical course in computer science. BTEC, Nash, uh, Higher National Diploma, I think you call it. Uh, done my final internship in a CNRS. You're just making up uh, letters now. Laboratory <laughs> uh, with postgraduates and intelligent people. So I signed for two more years, bachelor and master at the university. And that was it. After that, I was done with it. Uh, but when I make my internship for the master, my stage chief said to me, you should uh, postgraduate. So you'll be an engineer and got an executive level uh, with the attached salary. So I did one more year. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired just from hearing. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm sleepy. Like you, I feel like, like I it was a trap. Really more- oh, my God. For the sub question, if I had a book, um, I just want to ask, I, remember- I just want to ask, I'm going to say his name is Reggie because uh, it's French. Okay. But uh, Hello, I just want to know if he, if during, during this uh, long walk through the labyrinth, he ran into a minotaur because it does sound like he was <laughs> trapped in a. For the sub-question, if I had a book, uh, which I remember uh, to have impressed me, The Secret Book of Dwarfs. Oh, we knew, it my... as, we knew it as The Book of Gnomes. Oh, very good. Uh, which challenges my gut. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, Do you remember? you remember those books? Remember those books? Yeah, I remember yeah, the yeah. butts and yeah. the creatures that would eat the gnomes. It was disturbing. But <laughs> um, challenges my gullibility. It's a spoof scientific guide on the gnomes' life. I was knowing that dwarves uh, weren't existing, but the sheer amount of facts and the precision makes you wonder if it was real or not. And the illustrations are superb. They are and disturbing. That's not all, folks. I stop procrastination, go back to work, whatever uh, needs to be done or not. <laughs> then he re- responds immediately. Forgot the main question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm French. So Halloween is a cultural disaster, a sign of American commercial imperialism, alongside with Coca-Cola and McDonald's. Case closed. So <laughs> good thing. Fair Understood. Enough. Fair enough. Have you ever tried McDonald's? Have you ever tried Coca-Cola? Delicious. <laughs> Um, and I know, you know, you're French, you like wine, mix it with wine. Who's telling you not to? Um, Lee, uh, you guys, let me just say this about McDonald's in France. Your Big Macs are too big. Way too big. Is that right? You've got regular regular size Big Macs. Yeah. Then you got like slightly bigger Big Macs. Yeah. Then you've got crazy big Big Macs. (laughs) Like it's a, it's a wedding cake. It's ridiculous. Um, so how dare you judge? Not us. You're talking about America. We're not America. (laughs) Um, Lisa writes us, uh, who you know as, uh, you know, person you love. Uh, what am I doing on Halloween this year? Getting over, getting another year older. It's my birthday. So that means a feast of Chinese food. Usually we have friends over and send the girls to answer the doorbell when the trick-or-treaters arrive. But this year with COVID, who knows? Regarding a book from my childhood, there are many, but the Trixie Belden series is one of the, uh, is one that my girls enjoy. A strange and maybe not internationally known children's book was a big favorite of mine was The Secret World of Og by Canadian author Pierre Burton. And a book from my childhood that my children were subjected to was The Manual of Horsemanship. Uh, (laughs) But that's nonfiction. So I don't think that's the type of book you were talking about. Nay, it wasn't. Um, Also, the Thelwell books. 
uh, were ones that we had in the house from my youth. Mm. Yes, we have a, quite a few Thelwell books ourselves here now. Very Cameron good. writes! <laughs> in Australia, I guess the college equivalent is uh, TAFE, a technical and further education, where you get certificates and diplomas. They're the ones that work in conjunction with apprenticeships and uh, where you become a teacher with a diploma of education, which you can do in one year if you combine it with a degree if you want to specialize in one area. The one year is to make sure you can cover the basics in case you can't get work in your area straight away. I entertained the thought of being an art teacher once, and thank God I dodged that bullet because I couldn't do it because I failed under 10 math and never did any further math in year 11 or 12. Why I needed math, I didn't understand then, but I know now. Okay. I say, yeah. Sorry, I just, just want to say that he said I failed year 10 math, not under 10 math. Oh, I'm sorry. I said he failed under 10 math? Yeah, he, he, I said I, I failed year 10 math. Oh, very good. I never sorry, sorry for getting that wrong. I failed read. <laughs> uh, the one book I made sure to get for my son was Genie by Paul Gallico. Jenny. Uh, Jenny? Oh, well, I got your number. Um, about a boy who turns into a cat and is shown the ropes of being a cat by by Jenny? Jeannie? Jenny, yeah, Jenny. Jenny? Yeah. Okay. And they get into wild adventures. Took me a while to track it down because I had uh, no idea. It's called The Abandoned in North America, but I'll uh, never get to read it to him. Uh, my son and I are completely different. I will continue going to Disney movies on my own, I'm afraid. He'll leave that kid stuff to me. He's six. <laughs> Does my taxes. I'm bad at math. No, I didn't say that. Uh, I might read it on my own, though. Remind myself why I liked it so much. Here's what I think you should do. I think you should build a doll that looks just like your son. And then just like put that, put that doll on a chair. And then every night read the book to your doll son. As your son walks by and goes, what are you doing? Nothing. Just and then just start whispering it quietly so only the doll can hear. <laughs> Sounds Eventually, healthy. Sounds healthy. Yeah, I think that's I think that's healthy. Doesn't sound like the road to a David Cronenberg movie at all. On the subject of the kid being an adult, granted there is that moment where you walk out of the front doors and you're looking around thinking, is this okay? Aren't you supposed to stop me? Uh, but the day our kid was born, he was born on a mid-November morning during the first heavy snowfall of the season in Calgary. And we hadn't been in Calgary long, and we generally avoided me driving in the snow because I'm Australian. And my snow driving experience was none. Uh, but here we were, a new baby in the back, mom unable to drive, barely able to see in front of our faces. And I'm driving home 45 minutes across the city for my first major drive in snow. And if that, uh, if, if that wasn't at least one adult uh, time I've experienced, I don't know what is. <laughs> also, completely unwarranted recommendation. Have either of you checked out the, uh, the Goes Wrong show on Amazon? I don't think I've laughed so much at the show in a long, long time. Uh, they filmed plays from the BBC where things go wrong on purpose, where it's written to the script. You might watch it too much with a critical hat coming from that world. So maybe it wouldn't be as funny, but I thought it was pretty clever. Okay, I'll check it out. Uh, our plan for Halloween Sounds is the same as every year. Pinky, go to London Drugs the day after and buy boxes of candy for 50 to 70% off. Ah, <laughs> That's the best time to get yourself a smart There you go. Another, another uh, person who avoids American imperialism. Mm -hmm. And I think he said our plan for Halloween is the same as this year, every year, Pinky, meaning Pinky in the brain. Like, oh, like, this Jesus, is the plan. okay. 
I'm playing for how many minutes the same as ever you did, Pinky. All right, very good. Fair enough. I'm so sorry. Listen, I thought, yeah. I, listen, there's a, there used to be a laundromat. There was Pinky's laundromat that was near me. And uh, I think that uh, what I was thinking was that. It's like, oh, you got a laundromat. That sounds fine. Um, Mick writes, hey, gents. By the way, I've, I've read 17 letters right now, too. So that's the other thing. <laughs> that's the other thing. I'm starting to blur a little bit. Uh, we're almost to the end. Mick yep. writes, hey, gents. Hi, gents. Halloween looks unlikely, but we still have some of Mike's son's candy haul from last year stashed somewhere in the kitchen cupboard, so we can probably hold out until 2021. School? Generally, yay! Thanks to a few lifelong friends. I just want to I just want to interrupt that part of the letter just yeah. to say to Mick, you didn't send that to us? You didn't send oh, that yeah. candy to us? You don't yeah. need it. You're just storing it in a cupboard. Yeah, what's going on? What, here in Canada, we don't have Australian chocolates. That's a good way to get wallabies, Mick. Um, <laughs> school... Generally, yay, thanks to a few lifelong friends, some good teachers, and the joy of English drama and art. I did enjoy English drama and art. Agreed. Uh, books from childhood. Enid Blyton's uh, Magic Faraway Tree, the Frog and Toad series by Arnold Lobel, and Roland Dahl's memoirs, uh, Boy and Going Solo, which I reread about once a year and just read to my son for the first time. He loved them both. Aw. We're, we're topping and tailing with Roland Dahl. <laughs> yeah. uh, also Tintin, of course, but that goes without saying. Happy 460th episode! Thank you. Thank you. Um, That's where we really come on, come into our own. Yep. Uh, Laurel Robertson writes, Hello, Ian and David. Hello, Laurel. Um, No Halloween for me this year. We live way too far off the beaten path for kiddos to wander up our gravel road. (laughs) Wouldn't it be creepy if they did? Creepy. Just see them in the distance getting closer and closer. Then they never show up. I just saw them walking. They're getting closer. Why did they never show up? Is something at the back door? Scratch, scratch, scratch. Don't answer it. Anyway, sorry. Went off on a path there. Um, we live too far away from the beaten path for kiddos to wander up our gravel road. Uh, I've gone out to do the trick-or-treat thing with my grandson other years, which was so much fun, uh, but I don't think that's happening now. Mm. As for school, I like it. I liked it so much in the elementary years. Small school in, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, uh, Recife uh brazil and it was uh, great i didn't mind missing school though as uh when once i was out a uh, week with the flu and had a grand time sitting in bed clipping beatles articles and pictures from 16 and life magazines making a scrapbook for fun later in middle school and high school years back in the states my school enthusiasm waned a good student especially loving the history and art classes but uncomfortable with the social pressure as for childhood books to pass along, my hardback copy of Little Women is one I saved in case I had a girl child, which my second one is. And by the way, she is named Margaret, and we call her Meg, <laughs> as as was the eldest sister in said story. Also, the Narnia series of books were ones I saved and read to both of my offspring. I write more. Oh, sorry, Dave, you're going to say something? I just said, that's good. Yep. Narnia. I write more, but Ed D is probably waiting as I write... This near deadline time, and we all know he is good to get in the last word. P.S. Ed, thank you for sharing your children's cool art gifts uh, to you. Uh, stay well, David and Ian. Yes, you both should take much pride in the accomplishment of 459 episodes of Seeky Dragon, as well as every one of the other podcast series uh, you have given and are currently giving the world. We are all so grateful. I remember one a couple of years ago when there was a glitch. And an SD episode was almost 24 hours late for you to upload. 
David, and I was in a panic. Email them now, I said to myself, and be sure they're okay. When the show was there, there was much rejoicing. There always is. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, Laurel. Thank okay, you. enough of that. Take me away, Ed. All right. She said, uh, "Take sorry, take it away, Ed, she said. Away, Ed. No, no, she doesn't take me away, Ed. Sorry, that wasn't a, I, I, that's a very different context. I um, but thanks so much, Laurel. That means a lot. Here, here's the ironical thing this week, Laurel. Right. Ed has declined to comment on last week's episode. So I don't know what's going on. I imagine, uh, being me being me, I just assume he's mad at us. But so Ed didn't even write us a letter via he, the letter hole. He didn't even write us a... Well, he might have sent us a snail mail. Maybe we'll come in a week. Um, I didn't check my mail today, so maybe he sent me one. Okay, well... In which listen, case, I feel bad if it's sitting in the mailbox. No, 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 no. This is very, this is very important. So I'm just going to do a little here thing. Go. Uh, I'm going I'm to see if Edward sent us a mail. No, wait, I've got no mail. No, I mean... So, neither. all right, that's fine. Yeah. Everything everything is okay. Right, so um, okay. I do have a I do have a uh, a comment, a little a little message to us on on Facebook, and this is from Sarah Walsh. So this is a nice little bit of irony since uh, I was uh, pumping up Sarah's tires earlier in the show, and I was telling everyone that you should go to her YouTube channel, which is called Earth Immigrant, and check out some of her songs there. And I was I'm thinking you won't be disappointed. So make a point of being a friendly sneaker and uh, dropping in on a fellow sneaker and saying hello. Sarah says my cousins and I once tried to build a roller coaster in our grandmother's yard. It failed. It was oh, definitely no. it was definitely more of an imagine this is a roller coaster type of project than anything that actually functioned. Planks of wood for tracks, a box on a wobbly old platform truck for the car. One cousin rides while the other two push and try impossibly to keep it on the tracks. We even br- briefly attempted a hill over a little two-foot wall, but we gave up on that fairly quickly. Which, of course, reminds me that I never answered the question from some weeks ago about our favorite place to go on school breaks. Oh, okay, yes. Grandma Bunny's house. Hang out with my dad, have adventures with my cousins and the neighbor's kids, build blanket forts, live on grilled cheese sandwiches, mine with ketchup, watch half a dozen movies <laughs> and on VHS over and over and over. Wonderful times. Thank you Aww. for writing. And thank you, everyone, for writing. Thank you, everyone, for writing. And not thank you to Ed for not writing to us this week. Yeah, what the hell happened with Come that? Come on, Ed. I hope you're feeling well. If it, yeah, anything's Eddie. wrong, if anything's wrong, let us know and take care. Yeah, Ed, we don't we don't want to make this a thing, but are you okay, Ed? Yeah. Everything all right? Yes, sir. Jeez. Ed? You yeah. good? Okay, Ed. All right, fair enough. I have to reset my clock now. I use that as my way to keep my keep time. What, yeah, I'm, what uh, day is it? Yeah, I don't know. I feel strange about this whole thing. Okay, let's <laughs> let's just stay on the line until Ed comes back. <laughs> That's right. We'll just keep on until he writes to us. Uh, we won't stop the show. All right. Here's a question I've got for for this week. Okay. Th- those of you out there. Uh, if you if you know comics, if you are a fan of comics, okay, yeah, you're a fan of comics. Uh, what makes a comic store uh, makes you want to when you get into a comic store? What makes you feel comfortable? What do you like in a comic store to see? What's a good thing? Like you know, like what's a like maybe like what's a good comic store you've seen you've been in and what made it good? If you don't, is there anything that uh, that would get you into a comic store? Would something draw you in? If you saw it in the window, you go, you yeah, know, maybe I'd go in there. Maybe I'd check that out. So if you uh, if you like comics, my question to be more clear is, what does a good comic store do to uh, make it a good comic store? And if you do not uh, read comics, is there anything that would get you into a comic store? If they sold 
blank and it can't be ham. You know, anyone going to eat a ham? That wouldn't do. That wouldn't be it. So those are those are two questions for me. Dave, you got anything? I do, and it's comics related as well. As you said, we should do a comics related one. And mine is, I would like listeners who like comics, and maybe we can open this up to uh, comic strips as well. But I would like to know your favorite non-superhero character in comics, and you oh. can even add why if that if you want. Yeah, you could add the comic book Why the Last Man. Yeah, that's good. It's, <laughs> it's non superhero, but it's very good. That is true. Okay, very good. All right, yeah, it's fine either way. Yeah, we're, we're good. Hey, either I've way. read it. I've read it twice. Unlike you, I haven't. You're right. This is a. It's a real weird thing. I uh, I read it as it came out. Yeah, I read it as it came out. I read it issue by issue, but I also read it in trade as well after. As I sit down and just read it all through. It's a. It's a very good series. If you have not read, if you've not read Why, listeners, you, you should check it out. Uh, I would agree with David. Why the last man? Yeah, I would agree with David that you should Except read you'd be it a hypocrite well. because you've never read it. I would be a hypocrite because I need to read it. That's also... There's so much... Uh, that's, that's not true at all. You're not a hypocrite because it's... I'm not that you, a hypocrite. It's something that your right. wife did. And you should be wife. supportive of your wife. and not. I'm very supportive of my wife. Of course you are. My wife does. Of course you are. Yes. I'm very, very supportive. I think that's uh, true. True-ish? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. True, true. Ask. <laughs> Very nice. You know what? I like my wife. I like her fine. Yeah. How dare you try to drive a wedge between us with your shenanigans, <laughs> sir? It's the least I could do. Uh, so hey, if you want to contact us, let me uh, let me just really uh, uh, get in, get into it here. Let me yeah, tell you what's yeah. what's what's down. Drag it out. Let's see if Ed writes in. I'm just trying right. to get him. <laughs> uh, here's how you write us. You go to sneakydragon.com and you uh, go to our message board. You will find each episode of every podcast we do there. And underneath each one, there is a message area. And you just uh, post it there. Yeah, it's simple. Or if you feel like uh, going on Facebook, uh, Sneaky Dragon is on Facebook. Just enter Sneaky Dragon. Hey, there. Put a thing there. Uh, if you like going to Twitter, that's odd way of doing this, but that's fine. Uh, at uh, uh, Sneaky underscore Dragon. Uh, you could you could uh, add us and go hey and then tell us a thing. That's fine. No one ever has <laughs> 460 episodes. No one ever has. It's just out there alone, <laughs> waiting waiting for the phone to ring and it never rings. <laughs> the little Twitter bird is just like sitting by the phone and occasionally it picks it up and goes like, is the phone still working? And then it goes, oh, I should hang it up because someone might have tried to call just then, but no one ever does. And it goes back to sitting there and just rocks back and forth. Did you say no one's ever? Did you say no one's ever at us on Twitter? No one has ever done it in 460 episodes. What are you talking about? No one ever. <laughs> All right. Anyway, and even worse than that is our yeah. Tumblr, uh, Dragon, uh, dot Tumblr dot com. No one ever <laughs> said anything on Tumblr. Well, you know, it's, that's Tumblr. That's Tumblr for you. Or you can email us. Uh, people do email us at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Com. There you are. And thanks to everybody who uh, wrote in asking for a book plate for Sparks, a uh, book plate signed by myself, David, and Nina. Uh, we are now out of them. We're completely out, but we have ordered more. I will let you know when there is more. And when there is more, writing to us at that sneaky, uh, sneaky D at sneakydragon.com address is how to get them. But for right now, we're out. We're out, Jack. We had a bunch. They're out there uh huh. but if you get a you don't let that stop you from buying sparks double dog dare right now uh just uh, we'll send it to you later on it'll all be cool it'll be cool man 
Yeah. And if you want to uh, read Extra Sisters, the latest issues are on comicsology.com. Uh, just download them and read them, and the trade will be out in October. Oh, she's going to uh, ask that. So out in October. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, so it will be uh, Extra Sisters uh, 2, uh, Kick at the Darkness. Hmm. And uh, I, I just proofread everything in the trade yeah. tonight and very happy with it. So, uh, yeah, I hope you will check that out. I think I'm going to refuse your offer of a free one so okay. I, can, I can buy it online. All right. That's fine. Because I, I, I want to support your, uh, your work. Thank you for supporting me, sir. No problem. I appreciate that. I would support your coloring work, but it's the book that <laughs> I'm in as well. That's fine. Tell you what, buddy, I'm going to send you a free book plate. <laughs> I I have one because we had one returned, sent back to us. That's true. Yeah, we got to crack that mystery somehow. Yeah, we okay. do. I'm gonna. Well, I guess I'll write to that person. That's yeah, it looked like that's probably the way to crack like it. The address was right, but man. Well, you know what? Your five looked an awful lot like an S. So if it was a real jerk and a half of a a male person. Instead of just going, well, it's always a number in the middle between two letters for the postal code, for Canadian postal code, everyone. We don't have a zip code like you guys, like Americans have. I don't know. British, everyone else in the world confuses me for whatever reason, but I can, I can kind of understand the American one. It's five letters. Ours, I can understand because I live with it. And so I, I, I know that like the first part of it references the area and then the other part of it references the kind of the more, more, um, specific locale you know mm-hmm. but anyway so it's it's a it's a letter number letter and then it goes number letter number and so now this person this male person this big jerk they could have like got this and and seen it went i was like v v5 something and went well what is this s doing in the middle of between the v and the and the other letter this is for three letters in a row. This is not even a real address. Mm-hmm. Slap on label, return to us. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It just seems because it, it was if it's correct to the to the ad, ad is person sent. It seems unlikely they'd mix up their postal code. Well, here's the thing that bugs me too. It's like his his uh, his visa number is six eight two three five nine two five six. It's the expiry uh, is a zero two. <laughs> um, <laughs> zero two uh, zero four, right? Yeah, yeah. What, then, well, sorry, what is the what is the three digits in the back though? Yeah, the three digits, that's, that's the thing. Oh, okay. The three digits on the back are 555, five, five, and that just seems like you're asking for trouble, right? Yeah, of course. The game one's going to memorize that, and they're going to be able to, like, you know, just <laughs> use your account. Yeah, that's yeah. foolish. That's just foolish. Really silly. Me. Really silly. Yeah, and, and it's like one one number off uh, from uh, their PIN number. <laughs> that's right. If you added a one in front of the 555, five, yeah, you get so their PIN number. Go, and, yeah. of course, you know how to do that. You just enter the visa number and the automatic banking thing. yeah and uh and of course and it, it, it's sweet that they used as a password sure. sneaky dragon that was sweet well so touching touching is a word for it and then you you access both the visa uh-huh. and you access the bank account yeah i mean that's just too simple to hack and if like anyone heard that uh it's just foolishness so so yeah um anyway uh <laughs> please do write us if you want a free book plate uh, in the future, but not right now. And please you know give us all of your information. Actually, what's funny, Ian, is when you said that about the password, I uh, I thought it was like, uh, because they were such a fan of Sneaky Dragon, it turns out not. It was the name of their first pet. Oh! Yeah. Strange. Well, ain't that a kick in the head? It's a real coincidence. What a, what a, what a world. <laughs> what a world we live in. What a world we live in. <laughs> oh, I've been doing this too long today. <laughs> <laughs> Right before this, I did a um, a word thing, like the 
A jumble? And by word thing, I mean Vancouver has a word festival. Oh, okay. Which is an author's festival. And so me and Pia uh, were guests at it. And so we had to do a Zoom conference together. Uh, okay. uh, so we did, right before we did this, it was blah, 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 blah for forever. <laughs> and then immediately into that, it was like proofread the graphic novel. Okay, immediately after that, it's just into this. And now my brain is complete pudding. It's complete pudding. And I'm just going to go sit in front of, I'm going to try and make myself a homemade pizza. Ooh. And I'm going to sit in front of the television. And whatever's on is what's going to stay on. <laughs> Sounds nice. Yeah. All right. Well, you go take a break. I will. Go take a long break. I will. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Okay. Thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, listeners. We're still on the air, right? We, <laughs> we're still on the air. We're just, okay, we'll say goodbye now. We can say goodbye now. But, okay, we'll say goodbye, and uh, I wish you all the best with all of everything. Everyone stay healthy, everyone stay good, and yeah. I'll be sharper next week. Bye! You were as sharp as a pencil. Let's get some, uh, let's get some, see, oh my let's gosh, I got, sex, a, got a giant style. spider in here. Woo. Oh no, okay, well. Big boy. Get rid of it. No, he's fine. Okay. It's on the wall. He's not hurting anyone. All right, you let me know what you want me to talk. Oh my God, he's taking heroin. He's hurting himself. <laughs> what arm is he putting it in? <laughs> it doesn't have to choose. Unlike, unlike human heroin addicts who, you know, end up with destroying their veins, he's like, he can just like move, move around, around the clock. Yeah. Oh, it'd be even better if you were a starfish, because then you just like just take the get, arm off get rid of them. and throw it away. Does it grow back again? I guess they do. I guess yeah, they do. Starfish do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You get that weird. Sometimes they grow back too at the same time, and then it looks weird. Ew. Gross. Looks weird. All right, let's not judge starfish. Okay. Get off starfish's back. All, All right. right, backs. Okay. Um, whatever you want to start. Excellent.